and Ed. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lack of Focus. Tonight, we have Mr. Ed Horn with us. How you doing, Ed? I'm fantastic. A little tired, but fantastic, nonetheless. Understood. I'm tired, too. <laughs> Chris, Chris, how tired are you? <laughs> yeah, you're probably more tired than I am. I was just traipsing around <laughs> Gettysburg today and had a three-hour drive back. You are probably more tired than I am. I'm doing okay. I painted a little bit today. did a painting stream so that always is more tiring than it should be but yeah you know we'll we'll get through i'm sure it'll be a high energy show yeah oddly enough i had a really difficult time logging into the stream driving at 80 miles an hour on the way back from gettysburg so i apologize for not making that one so you didn't make monday or tuesday either so you know I can't watch Twitch at work. I don't. <laughs> you didn't. Oh, man, you, you opened the door. You opened the door. You did. I, I did. just walked I through did. it. I did. And in, to, in fairness, I did try to pull it up while I was on stream so you at least had the viewer on there, but I couldn't. I, it wouldn't connect, oddly enough. Streaming and internet connections at those speeds for whatever reason. What a great trip in Gettysburg, though. Really did. Had a good time. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, as far as tired, I know the tired feeling because I'm very tired tonight. So, but this is also a rapid fire show kind of because we just did one Sun. When did we do one? Thursday? Sunday night. No, no, it was Sunday Sunday night. night. Was it Sunday? See, that's how bad I am. I'm really tired tonight. I was basing the Lord of the Rings models that I then painted on Monday and Tuesday. That's right. I remember that. That you got to play with, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. You, You met your requirement, I suppose. Yep. Yeah, we'll get there. We're not quite on flight decks yet. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, this week um, in Wargaming, did we come up with a name? I can't remember. We keep defaulting back to that. Like, we haven't been an X-Wing-centric show for a long time now, and we still keep calling it flight decks. Just out of habit, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Um, so I do have one bit of interesting news before we go into flight decks and kind of break the break the mold of how we do the show but did you guys see the the shatterpoint um information that that amg put out on facebook today yeah i know it's like the rules are available now and there's more info on like the full box content and stuff like that so yeah so the thing i want to touch on which chris you and i talked just a hair before but the box set will come of course with the figures all the cardboard and everything but it comes with a pretty good amount of terrain with it too plastic oh cool plastic terrain which uh, i think is extremely interesting and is a good way to look jack, that up. it's a good way to jack the price point up on a you know starter box but well and keeping in mind the the target audience that they're hitting are a lot of their x-wing like a lot of their inbuilt star wars miniature game audience may not have those kinds of things like chris and i are probably not gonna have much problem finding terrain that's gonna fit that scale um but because we have a bunch of 40k terrain sitting at home already but for those people that are just kind of new to this miniature excuse market, me sir excuse me I apologize. I would, never, I would never in a million years play a game with Star Wars miniatures on 40k terrain, you heathen. Never mind <laughs> the scale difference. Why would I do that? What, I would rather play with cardboard boxes and upside down Coke cans than 40k terrain for my Legion or Shatterpoint tables, you absolute cretin. 
totally have done that before. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting is they're releasing. And I totally for, yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about Legion. You're right. They probably could use Legion for the same terrain. Sorry about well, that. Well, the scale is different. But the oh. scale is actually different. Yeah. These are bigger, right, Chris? Yeah. 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 These are bigger minis than Legion is. But the other thing that was interesting, too, is they're releasing, for the first time in a long time, they're releasing something for Armada. They're oh, releasing. Yeah, a card pack for Armada, which I think is pretty it's interesting. It's print and play again, right? It's I believe so, yeah. Yeah, a second batch of print and play. So it's no physical release. It's just... Uh, right, right, right. But yeah. you're getting something new, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's. I think that that's pretty cool, too. So that's kind of my in-game news for this week. And if you're into arcade machines, which I doubt too many on this show is, but maybe I've led some people towards them, but... Arcade One Up is releasing the Fast and Furious racing game. Um, oh, that sounds cool! Yeah, so it's a it's an upright standing racing cab that they're releasing. So pretty cool stuff. I don't. It's not for me. I'm not interested in that. But um, I think if you're interested in racing racing arcade games, that would be a decent one to jump into. But but uh, with that, um, changing the pace a little bit. Um, Chris, what have you done for the last, uh, well, five days since our do, last talk? Do we have to change the pacement? Because I'm now looking at these photos from Atomic Mass Games and just, holy crap, is there a lot of stuff in this box set? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. But yeah. I just think it's interesting. And it, you, said the, you said the train's plastic, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. There's a lot. First of all, there's a lot of miniatures in here. Um, I do find it interesting to see like the three pack of battle droids on a single base. So um, it's enough to play two full size forces. It's not like a 40k intro set where it's like a quarter of the size of a normal game. That's yeah. enough for both players to play yeah. um, full size because the game is you pick two squads and a squad is a hero, a second, and support. That's a really good idea. Yeah, very, no, very good. Do we know the price? Did they release the price tag on this yet? Play. Um, I have. Uh, can you remember what I said, Sean? Was it one hundred and sixty nine ninety nine US? One hundred and sixty four ninety nine, I think. Yeah, and then two hundred and nineteen ninety nine Canadian, I believe. Canadian, yeah. That all right? So oh. I know that that seems like a pretty big price tag, but you're getting not one but two full forces. You're getting the terrain, the dice, everything that goes along with it. That's a really good price for all the minis that you're getting. And a good jumping off point for the game. I'm gonna applaud AMG. This is that that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I think that they're and here's my thing about it. So, you know, I, I put in our tech stream today, you know, it's almost compelling. You know, that that's like one of those things where I'm not interested in the game, but that kind of is a tick closer to being interested in it. You know same. I, mean? I was gonna say the exact same thing. You know, it's just like you can play it on a table. You know, you could play it on a regular table. It's not gigantic. It's kind of like Imperial's uh, Imperial Assault scale, not mini scale, but but uh, miniature scale. Yeah, table space. You know, without the restricted. I don't think it will have the restricted stuff like what Imperial Assault would, because you're playing on the, you know, the built maps and stuff like that. Is yeah, you had specific maps for that game. Yeah, so, so you're looking, looking at, at sorry Sean, looking at Asmodee website at the moment. 
you talking about? Yeah, 164.99 gets you um, four different squads, which is enough to build two forces or whatever the correct terminology is. Right. Um, and terrain and your measuring sticks and dice. Then, yeah. if you look at the price point for terrain, it looks like it's seventy four ninety nine for a terrain pack. The character packs with the squads look to be forty nine ninety nine, so fifty bucks. So that's that's two hundred bucks plus seventy five for the terrain. Dice are fourteen ninety nine, so you're at hundred and uh, two hundred ninety bucks. Um, so three hundred and five bucks worth of value in the box if you broke broke it down and like just bought separate four separate squads measuring terrain and dice yeah so, so literally half price yeah to buy it just alone like that that's it, really yeah. good and that's definitely going to be a low it's a low enough point of entry this is the this is the right way to do this it's a low enough point of entry that you could go in halvesy with your buddy 75 bucks both of you end up with a force of it out at, at the end of it this is this is really good this is how you do this this is the way you're supposed to do it it's not granted it's not your 60 dollar assault on blackreach box sets that they used to do for 40k but as chris already pointed out that was like a quarter of the force that you would need to actually play a full game of 40k this is not this is the same this is a full force all right you have yeah two full forces you have piqued my interest good sir yeah yeah it's I, i think it's pretty darn cool and then Right out of the box, you're getting another terrain pack too. Right. You know? So it's not, and two forces, right? You're getting Obi Wan. So what's so you in... get? The, the box comes with Anakin, um, Rex, and clones. Ahsoka as um, from the final season, not as Snips. She's like a Jedi. It's Ahsoka Jedi no more, I believe. Okay. With Bo Katan. Yeah and two Mandalorians. Um, So that's theoretically one side, but you can mix and match because that's how the game works. Uh, Then you have Lord Maul, so posts getting chopped in half and robot legs with Gar Saxon and two Mandalorian super commandos. A Surge Ventress, a B1 battle droid, and two units... Sorry, um, a super command droid... No, a super tactical droid, that's the words. And then two... Uh, two lots of B1s, which looks like it's three per base. Right. You're getting the um, big scenery pack, which is two buildings, two towers, which okay. might yeah. be double. Um, yeah, so it's more scenery than you actually get in the $75 box. It's an extra... T- um, in fact, it's unique scenery, so the only way to get this piece is through in the, the box. box yeah in, in in the contents it says 23 terrain pieces yeah and, and i'm sure that's to build the platform and stuff you know oh yeah well, let's create let's create some box uh create some boxes are all the same thing you know what i mean yeah yep yep but i mean i i i think for a starter game that isn't a board game and i'm not you know i'm talking like a minis We'll talk fantasy flight or fantasy flight, Asmodee, you know, games. I think this you're getting the biggest bang for your buck here. Oh God, yeah. And, and not only that though, but you're getting so it's releasing or shortly after release. Third of June. What's that? The release date's the third of June for a car set. I believe it launches with um, I, I want to say. 
Um, general Obi Wan Kenobi squad pack, which is Obi uh, Obi Wan, Cody, yeah. and two um, two uh, troopers. Yeah, and then Grievous Polani, which is a different super tactical droid, and B two super battle droids. Yep. Um, I believe that launches at the same time. I could quit, but I'm too lazy. Um, do, we, do we know if it's like mix or match kind of thing, or is it simple? We, the rule book, yeah, the rule books are available for free on the online, but it is you. It's not fully open from memory. Um, it's era specific. So in your squad, you could because they've announced um, like a Return of a Jedi era stuff. So like. I believe it's broken down as um, so Galactic Civil War and Clone yeah. Wars. Um, so you can't four... have... Go, on, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the first four packs are all Clone Wars. So Yeah, they're all Clone they, they have announced that there is going to be Galactic Civil War era stuff, but you couldn't have General Obi-Wan Kenobi as one half of your squad, and then Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight, as the other half of your squad. Yeah. You would have to take you would have to take everything from the era. Yeah. But you can sure. take Ahsoka and Maul. Really? Because they're from the same era. So, I was just curious so, if they were gonna do something similar to what God Tier does, where whenever you take a hero, you take all of the a company accoutrement with that hero. So this is all uh this isn't me quoting rules. This is quoting my recollection of a quick glance through at the rules because I've been sick and not had time to do it properly. But I believe the way the way it worked. Okay, okay, Ed, you tell me. <laughs> no, I was driving. Considering that this isn't the main topic for the show, and you <laughs> ambushed us with going back to this. Well, because so I was excited for what you're getting. I'm, um, I'm teasing. That was a for example, and you know it. <laughs> um, if the if the hero you pick is or the primary unit or whatever it's called is eight points. It doesn't actually cost eight points. It gives you eight points to spend on the oh, secondary and support. Cool. Then, so for example, I'm going to make up numbers here in case they're wrong. But let's say Anakin's eight points, Rex is four points, and five or first clones are four points. So eight minus four minus four is zero. You that's a legal squad. I see what you mean. And then I you do, you then you do that a second time, and that's your force. Well, that helps with balancing too. I am kind of curious as to uh, how they're going to balance points. Like for example, if it comes out like, I, of course, now I'm thinking about the game going competitively. Three months down the line, you'll start having uh, some of the first events, and if it turns out that Anakin's really better be balanced at nine points, and Ahsoka really should be seven points, are they going to make those kinds of adjustments? That kind of thing. Do you, do you know what I mean? But no, overall, all right, yeah, you're right. I 100% totally hijacked and side railed this. My apologies for that. It's okay. But... I, I, I'm just I'm caveating that my information might not be 100% perfect. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, not for you. I don't care what you do. It's a listener. <laughs> you know? I don't want the listeners to get burned by an inaccurate reporting from lack of focus. Because yep, this no. is all speculation. This isn't me doing journalism. True. Very true. All right. And. You know, the other thing I want to talk about, too, is the models. They're really good. Yeah. yeah. The models are nice. I do like them. Um, I like the styling that it's almost Clone Wars kind the of. cartoon. Cartoon yeah. style, yes. Yeah. That's not my favorite style, but for this, it's actually doable. In my, for me. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I do like uh, Ike Dooku. I like the Magna Guard models that are cool. Um, I like the fact that we have um, like straight in with you know the weird and wonderful Jedi. So we have plans and preparation squad pack, which is Luminara and Barris and some clones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I like it. I'm just oogling over all the models. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, it's okay. <laughs> The it's... only one, the only thing I don't like, and that's because I've not seen a sculpt of them anywhere that I like, is the super battle droids. They just don't lend themselves to being models for me. But these that's not a bad, me problem. The... That's just a, a me problem. Yeah, but th- these aren't too bad though. When you look at the the super battle droids, they're they're not bad. I, I just I, I just don't like them. It's not uh, you know it's yeah. fine. Because all I'll do is I'll take Grievous and Kalani, and then not Super Battle Droids. <laughs> and then not Super Battle Droids. Yeah, easy. I'll just pay 50 bucks for that Grievous sculpt. It's fine. Ventress looks really good. Maul looks really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah they, to me, these these are pretty darn good sculpts. for, And I'm not a huge fan of uh, that Clone Wars era. or the Clone Yeah, Wars. all the Jedi's in here, Sean. You'll love it. Yeah, that's annoying, but you know, we'll <laughs> maybe have to get past that and you know Or just wait until it. just wait until like the the Civil War era stuff comes out and then you can play more your Cassian Andor. I mean let's be honest, Sean. You just all you have to do is play Bo Katan and um some Mandos and it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can go you can go your like you said, your Cassian Andor style uh, size, or you can go maybe your Han Solo, Chewy. Yeah, I'm not of a rope. big fan of Han. <gasps> Blast! Not a big fan. Uh, uh, you know, uh, he he was awesome in Star Wars, and then he just became a total wuss in Empire and Return. So you know, yeah, they he definitely was, he was a he was a badass in in Episode Four. Yeah, badass. there was definitely a character shift from the Episode Four Han Solo that we saw to Five and Six. I will 100 percent agree with you. Yeah, and it's I, like I liked, the, I liked him in Seven and Nine. <laughs> <laughs> the only that's the only credit that i will give jj abrams for that film i mean all right i'm not gonna lie i did like that film i, I i'm not going to lie i am a hundred percent of the way of the fact that harrison ford put it into his contract that the only way that he would come back for the character is if the character died i know that i know that out of universe is was the agreement with harrison ford i totally get that the fact that he came back to shoot new film, new scenes. What? Hey, wait a minute! I thought you were like, but it's only flashbacks. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, it was supposed to be Carrie, but I know. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. The world, the world keeps turning. It does. Yep. All right. Well, we'll get away from uh, that uh, pause in the action and uh, head to what has Chris done over the last five days since we last talked to him. So I, um, I actually enjoyed painting and putting the stream on i had I, 40 it was like 45 minutes everything was going well and then the camera crapped out and i was just annoyed <laughs> i was just because like i hadn't streamed in so long and it was all going well and i'm like obviously something's gone wrong and then it was just it took me about an extra hour to get it all back up and running which is time i could have spent painting which was reinforcing in my head why i don't paint on stream anymore because when I generally the way my life is at the moment is I paint stuff I need to get finished so I don't have time to make it entertaining and 
stupid streaming. So I was just getting more and more and more frustrated. But it was fine. I got um, 25 goblins done on the, the Monday. Uh, that left me with um, the three characters in the cave troll to do on the Tuesday before I went to work. And um, I got them all done with 30 minutes to spare. Uh, it's good. All based, all varnished. Um, not a problem at all. Just paint an army in 24 hours. Why, That's why cool. would everyone do it? Yeah. Other Others have done it. Yeah. I mean, it feels bad because it's, it, I say it was 20, depending on if you count the drum as its own model because it's on its own base, it's either 28 or 29 models. But the Moria Goblins and the Tiny. Right. So, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. But I, I still have the Balrog, the second troll, another batch of three characters, uh, some bat swarms, and then another 25 Moria Goblins to do. But that'll give me like an infinite number of points of Moria Goblins. Like a crazy high amount of points that I'll never need to play. So, what'd you think of the game though? I really enjoyed it, actually. So um, I played against uh, Mike's uh, Hobbits, and we played a scenario out of the match playbook, so like the tournament rule set, in the same way you have uh, the General's Handbook and... Yeah. Uh, what's it called for 40k, Ed? Um, Mutatorium Field whatever. Manual. Yeah, whatever that like, tournament rule set is. Because, like, General, we were just going to play a game. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it properly. So we picked up, we decided on 400 points already. Um, so that was all fine. And we rolled up the scenario properly and did it all random. And we were playing, um, I have all the pictures so I can, I need my notebook so I could, uh, I can Richard it. Just flicking through <laughs> the pages. So it just, it's not the worst sounding audio in the world ever, I promise. So we played scenario number three, hold ground. So you have a central objective. And then you have to decide which board edge is north. And the way army building works is you pick a points value, but then you have a warband. And that warband is a number of models dictated by how heroic your hero is. So if you take a crappy goblin shaman, he can only lead eight people because no one likes goblin shamans. If you take a balrog, that can lead 18 goblins. So it kind of... Um, self-regulates if you you can't take one cheap hero and a million goblins because there's not space in the warbands so you have to that take is, a hero it's something that other games have done that i've never been a fan of oh i'm gonna take this cheap hq and then load down all the elites or heavy support no because yeah. that particular f lieutenant that you put in while they technically are an hq wouldn't be sufficient enough to garrison all of those troops the, I yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. So my army is uh, I think it's called Goblog. Um, one of the Goblin Kings. He's got like he's hanging off um, the dwarven pillar with his mithril crown that is obviously pillaged from Balin. Um, <laughs> so he's my general at the moment, and he can t lead twelve goblins or, or twelve followers in his warband. So I have the drum, which counts as two. Then I have. Um, four goblins with shields, four goblins with spears. Then I have a normal goblin captain who can lead another 12 and he gets a troll. Four goblins with shields, four goblins with spears. Then I have the shaman who just leads the six archers. So I have three different warbands. 
But what the scenario does is turn one, uh, and it's an I move all my stuff, you move all your stuff. I shoot with all my stuff, you shoot with all your stuff. Um, that's how the um, the turn system is. But turn one, at the end of my movement phase, I've not deployed anything. You So you roll for priority, deploy nothing. At the end of the movement phase, you roll a dice for each warband. On a one, they don't turn up. On a two, your opponent picks any of the table edges and they turn up uh, a point on any of the table edge and you have to walk on from that point. On a three, they turn up on like the north and south edge. On a four, they turn up on the east and west edge. On a far, you know what I mean? And it, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of te- tears up from there. So turn one, two of my warbands turned up, my archers and shaman didn't. Then Mike stuff all came on and he got them all to come on. So he quite rightly, this one that came on on, the, on his left hand side, he put right near his board edge as close as he could and walked them into a table diagonally there. Then he had one come in on the opposite side, so he put them in the same point on the opposite side and walked them in. And then he had one come in on his side and walked them up into a centre. So he basically had his battle line just spread across the table. And I had one come in on the middle of uh, the my left-hand side and one come in on the middle of my right-hand side. So I was further up, but split two distinctly separate forces. And I was like, okay, well, if my archers don't turn up soon, it's it's gonna. I'm I'm already outnumbered. The goblins were the elite army on the table because I'm playing against hobbits. Uh, so, yeah, but splitting the party yeah. is always a bad idea. But I didn't. It wasn't by choice. I know that. I know that. <laughs> but I so, rolled and got to pick one. Then I rolled for the other one, and Mike got to pick, and quite rightly put me on the opposite side. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. it wasn't through choice. Um. I don't but know yeah, that, way. Is well, every game like that, or was it just that scenario? This, I don't know. We've only played it once, and this no, was one scenario. We randomly generated it, so we didn't look at any of the others. That's good. Gotcha. The, way, the scoring for this one was pretty cool. Um, so the objective is was one central objective. You score three victory points if you have more models within six of the center than your opponent. If you have double the number of models than your opponent, you score five points. If you have three times as many models or they don't have any you score seven points then if you do a wound to your opponent's general you score a point if you kill a general you score two points then at the end of the game you score a point if you've broken the enemy and you score three points if you're unbroken at no point have i told you how many turns the game is i was just gonna ask that because the game ends after one force is broken, the game will randomly end in the end phase on a roll of a one or a two. Oh, back to the old kind of fifth edition, hey, is there oh. a sixth or seventh turn kind of thing? It's just completely no, no, a, a 28th turn, an infinite number of turns. Right, right. Uh, just if, kind of if, expand- neither, if neither of you is broken, the game cannot end. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. And it was good. So Mike was playing Hobbits, as I said. So he had Farmer Maggot, who comes with his dogs, and the dogs <laughs> are quick. So the dogs made it like into the centre by the end of turn two, uncontested. So Mike just scored seven points, and I was like, I'm like half an inch away. I can't make it. Um, he so he had a mounted Pippin with uh, some um, what was it? Uh, we've got stupid names. Mary leads a band of 
um, idiot, like stupid named hobbits, and Pippin leads a band of stupid named hobbits. Um, I don't play them, so I don't know. And then Farmer Maggot just led some um, some militia, and there was an ant. Just an ant. We're just gonna throw that out there. Oh, we've got to spend the points on something. Like, what are you gonna do? Well, true. I mean, because I was wondering, like, because hobbits aren't exactly known for their military prowess. Yeah. So how do you balance that out? Oh, they've got ants. Okay, that helps. Yeah, but so you you can take up to a third of your force as bows and like shooting, and hobbits are really good at shooting. And they also, if they don't move, they can throw stones, which is only strength Ooh. one. Yeah, it's only strength one, but you know it's still gonna hurt if you throw enough dice. But um, yep. it's the yeah, old or, or the old orc strategy: if I roll a bucket of dice, I'm gonna roll enough sixes to put enough wounds on you. Well, that, you... that was <laughs> that was my plan for dealing with the ant. Because I'm like, look, if I put my troll against the ant, it's the best chance I have of actually killing it, but it's also the best chance I have of losing my troll. So I want the troll to go into the hobbits, and I want the goblins to go into the end, roll a buttload of dice, and then just hope that I win. So, yeah. Uh, the first round of combat, it, I had six goblins against the end, uh, and I actually managed to win the combat, because it's a, a straight roll. Uh, so the end has three attacks, so it rolls three dice. All my goblins have one attack, so I roll six dice. And then the highest number on the dice wins. Easy. Fairly so I, I rolled a six because I rolled six dice. Mike didn't, so I won. Yes. Um, if you if you have heroes, the like the gimmick of the game is the might, will, and fate that the heroes have, and you can use you can spend your might points to increase the dice roll. So later on in the game, I had my my general fight in the end as well, but I just kept like bumping my my roll high enough to win the combat, so that it it didn't matter. I could do that three times. He had three points of might, or I could do it once, really, really high. Is that, three like, times, but, is that three times per game or three times total? Three times like, per game. Per round, per... Yeah, three times total in the entire game. You have yeah, three that... points. They don't come back. There's no you way you get them back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, you if you roll a six and then spend all three points of might, you go, okay, I got a nine on my d6. What did you roll? <laughs> Did you get a nine on your six-sided dice? Because I did. And I sure <laughs> did. Well, yeah, but the, the other fun side of it is if you've got might and I've got might, it goes back and forth infinitely until one of us bottles it. But the might oh, is still spent. It's like a bidding system. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, you, I got a four, you got a three. Okay, well, I'm going to spend a point, two points of might, so I'm at a five and you're at a four now. Oh, well, I'll spend my point of might, so I'm at a five, but my fight value is higher than you, so I'm going to win. Yeah, well, I'll spend my last point then. So. Yep, yep. It's a bid system. I like that. Yeah, but it generally it devolves into no matter how much I spend, I can't win, so I'm not going to spend any because you can outspend me, or if you make it a tie, you win because that's where the actual stat block comes in. The higher fight value breaks ties. So I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because there is some value in getting them to spend. So I I did force um. Pippin and I, I said to him, I was like, I'm going to spend both my might just to make you spend your might because I don't want you spending it on increase because you can use it to affect, affect almost any dice roll. Right, right. So like, you roll to wound and fail to wound, you can bump that up and make it a wound, which is how I wanted to use mine. But I also didn't want that to happen when they was fighting me. So, yeah. 
that's the, like I said, that's a gimmick of the game. A might, will, and fate. They use will for casting spells or passing courage tests. You use um, fate is a ward, a one-off ward save, effectively, which you can use might to affect the roll of. Mm. Yeah. So you you take a wound, you spend your fate point, and then spend two might, and rather than a four up, you only need a two up. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So yeah, like I said, there is some value in having them spend those points because they won't have them later in the game yeah. for more crucial roles. It's like Boromir has lots and lots of might and no fate. <laughs> or hardly any fate because, you know, get wrecked. Don't be an arm and hen. It's your own fault. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's that kind of game. It, it was good fun. I really enjoyed it. It was very swingy. Um Mike kept trying to use his Ent to beat my general, which we decided at the end was the wrong call, because it just gave me a truckload of dice, because I still had my goblins fighting. So I was rolling like eight dice to his four. So I kept winning the fights, because I was rolling more dice. Whereas in if, whenever he did win the fight, yeah, it put like a wound onto my general. But the Ent's got like abilities where you can bludgeon, so you pick a model, and that model becomes a bludgeon. And he uses that model to beat one of your other models to death. And as long as the model dies, you get to do it again. And if that model dies, you get to do it again. So oh, in wow. one round, he could have bludgeoned all of my goblins to death. And juggled them. Yeah. But because he kept going at my general to get those bonus victory points, I just kept getting to stab him. And I eventually had dragged the end down. But the it's a, it's a unique wound. It's not, it isn't like the fifth edition wound table but it's close in that um, you can wound above a six. So my goblins needed sixes and fours to wound the end. Yeah. Um, but the first like the first round of combat, I put two wounds on it. I was like, yep, sorry, Mike. That shouldn't have that's happened. What, and that's what happens with random dice rolls. It legitimately does. That's, that's where the benefit, that's where armies that are like horde armies really do benefit in the fact that anything can happen on a dice roll. Well, so I'm saying I was the elite army. He was so hard, he outnumbered me. <laughs> well, it, in that particular combat yeah, scenario. Yeah. But it was fun because, uh, well, it was fun for me because every time I'd win a fight, like, oh, look, a five to win, you're dead. And then he'd win a fight. It's like, oh, I got a one. So it just pushes me back. And it happened for like two turns in a row where the fights that I was winning, I was killing hobbits. The fights that he was winning, he was just pushing me back. Oh. Um, so I got more model, so I just every time I killed someone, I would drop that model and run into a center with them because the person they were fighting's gone now, so they're freed up to be in the middle to score to try and shift the balance so I can get the points back. Um, but yeah, and like I said, luckily it didn't budge me, but then it came down to he was broken, I wasn't. So if the game ended, it was going to be like 26 to uh to 14, I think, something like that. Um, but if he wouldn't have come back with the Ent, he would break me, deny me all of those bonus points, gain points for himself. If he then bludgeoned enough of them, he would overtake me in the centre and score the centre points as well. And then if the game... So if he, I think he needed to win the combat with the Ent, kill the Goblin, uh, and then there'd be an extra turn. He lost the combat with the Ent, I murdered him, and killed it, and then the game ended anyway. Oh, so, it it was a landslide, but it was not as much. You know what I mean? It could have very easily been a, a loss after all of that. 
but yeah, it was really good fun. I and so the story I was telling um, is I played with uh, when the game came. I I used to have uh, an Urukai army, um, like all of Bowman and um, Grimer and Saruman, and I painted all. It looked nice, but I was only playing it because John O, my best friend worked at the games workshop and they had to have an army and they had to play the game so every time we played it was playing the game under duress because Jono had to play it so i was just playing so that Jono could fulfill his contractual obligations to be like engaged with all three game systems is that a requirement of games workshop employees no i don't I know if it I... I don't know if it is any so it rotate right games workshop is the uh is ever in flux uh Sure, sure. I, or at yeah. the time. I'll at the t- so this is when the new line cinema, like what, when the game was new, like and you, they had landed a nice big fat contract, paid a yeah. lot of money to get that license, and uh, were really pushing the game. I remember those days. Yeah, this is like two thousand and five ish. You've got the two towers stuff. Um, like, um, but yeah, it it was very much uh, like he had to play, it had to have a painted army. So I was just playing the game with with them and i remember thinking that it was a nice rule system it was a modern rule system but it always felt like we we never chose to play it at no point did we ever go oh do you fancy game of lord of rings yeah 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 let's play lord of rings that'd be cool so i oh do you want a game of uh fantasy oh i should probably play lord of rings all right okay (laughs) all right um this this time we, I said, I think we played a hundred and fifty point game, which was one generic hero and some guys, just so I could make sure I remembered stuff in my head. And like we were playing this game, and I was like, "Oh, I think you can do this if you want, Mike." And I think it works this way. And we'd look it up, and I was right. Like, man, I'm a, my stupid brain retained because the rule <laughs> system has changed a million times anyway. But like, I remembered enough of it that it it kind of all worked out. But yeah, I'm. I enjoyed it enough that I'm going to finish painting the actual army and I'll do the full lot of it. I'm probably going to order a couple of the uh, the extra models that I don't have. But um, So the one thing I don't really like, I suppose, is it that I don't like it? Oh, hmm, hmm, interesting. Um, they have Moria Goblins as like the faction. So if you go on the GW website, it's all broken down by... Lord of the Rings miniatures good, Lord of the Rings miniatures evil, Hobbit miniatures good, Hobbit miniatures evil. So I go to Lord of the Rings miniatures evil, and it's got like, go all evil. Angmar, Barador, Corsairs of Umbar, Baharad, Isengard, Mordor. And then Moria. See, I click on Moria, and it's like, oh, you can have a cave drake. I can take the Watcher in the Dark. You I can sure take can. a dragon. I can take the dweller, a Dweller in the Dark. Um, but like, well, none of that really feels like Mor- I don't want a cave drake that doesn't feel like Moria to me I want goblins so like, yeah um, I don't have any Moria goblin prowlers which are these crazy looking goblins with two handed axes which seems fun Yeah, and do. I, don't ha- I don't have any of the black shields because I think they were all um, resin and they're kind of like the elite ones which it could be fun I'm not, I don't know that I definitely need them or not but it could be fun and when you say resin, are you talking Finecast or are you talking Forge World? Um, Finecast. So that, the other interesting point, I don't know if I brought this up when I was doing it, but like 
uh, I'll show you. Obviously, we're not doing video for the uh, the viewers this time, but like the uh, that's one of the goblins shaman named character dude. So he's in metal, but in the same pack, it came with another named character who's in in fine cast. So that's... you get like a blister that is two characters. One of them's resin. One of them's metal. And... I didn't realize they still made metals models. Yeah. Unless it's just old stock still sitting no. around. Like, this is a new troll. I've never seen like, this. The sculpt. cave troll. Yeah. So, like, the, because the plastic cave troll they did was spear and chain from the old um, Balin's tomb box. But well, yeah, you, you, I... you can't, can't even buy that. You have to get the metal one. I never had a problem with metal models. I never did. I get that they're more expensive for Games Workshop to produce. I would have agreed until I was assembling the Balrog, until I was assembling the troll. Oh, that's right. And you said the Balrog was metal. Yeah, yeah. It's the original. So this is like, what, probably a 20-year-old model now? But um, yeah, the wings are plastic. The, the, uh, the metal. But well, that, like, you just need... look, at, look at all of those mold uh, the joints that you just can't fill in. That's what liquid. To... That's what liquid green stuff is for. And then, as far as keeping the wings on and keeping the arms and legs where they're supposed to be, you just need a little bit of pinning skills. I'm know, teaching. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, you this you like you don't do, already know that. What you could do though is just be plastic. True. True. Like for the longest time, I was like, I really like the way my brush feels on a metal model. I'm such a snob. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I'm painting this model model so good. Yeah. Uh, and then. Just there weren't any metal models for the longest time. I was doing Legion, or I was doing whatever games I've been playing for the last ten years. God knows, um, X Wing, where I didn't even have to paint anything. Mm -hmm. Then I came back to a metal model. I was like, "This is fucking dog shit." What, what, what kind of like self-hating like masochist? Hey, that's the way we that, did things that, back in the day. Is that the right that, one? That's is the, it masochism? That is, that's the right yeah. word. Yeah. Like, but, what kind of masochist wants to do? I'm like, my fingers are stuck together. I'm stabbing myself with a pin vice. I'm like, oh, fuck this. Just give me plastic all the way. Oh, dude, I, there was the guy at Adepticon that was selling the old models, had an old metal dreadnought in pieces, had all the arms I almost bought just for that experience did of it, having... Did it come with its own sock? I was just going to say, to have the old dreadnought in a sock. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, that, that's the only reason I would ever want a metal dreadnought. And luckily, you don't need to build it if that's what you're using it for. This is true. This is true. And if those of you that do not get that joke, that's one of those things, if you ever have anyone that is cheating at 40k, you just take the old dreadnought, which used to be made out of a big chunk of metal, you put it in a sock, and you whack them with it. <laughs> the old dreadnought that. That, that, that is not an authorized thing that Dice Hate Productions is telling you you should do. I am we're... in fact telling you you shouldn't do those things. But, but Chris, we are clearly doing this for entertainment value. No one would ever seriously take us. Any words that came out of our mouth with any levels. Of oh, okay, okay. Info wars. <laughs> so real quick, a quick question about so the Lord of the Rings miniature game. So I'm looking because I've Never realized this existed. I'm not going to get into it, but I do have a question. So it says that there's Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings, and The Hobbit. Is is that like different time frames of Basically, the game? Basically, they don't. There's no license for the Cimmerillion, okay. but they can make characters from any of Tolkien's work. So okay. Middle Earth, 
is everything that doesn't fit anywhere else. Like Tom right. Bombadil is Lord of the Rings, but he's not in the film, so so he falls into Middle Earth. Yeah. And like Sauron as like the Dark Lord, or you can have um I forgot the names now. I'm gonna have to check. Um Lord of Rings. Oh. Because it's the last alliance and stuff, which was really cool. Um the models know. look amazing. They are. they are they they are they have the games workshop treatment. They are very well done. I've never understood why this game is considered to be bottom tier for whenever it comes out to games workshop models. I've never understood it. My no, understanding no, it. Elrond and Gilgalad was the uh was the two people who were at the uh the Battle of the Last Alliance and stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah. And from memory they had a bunch of rules for um like you'd have the archers as long as they're in base contact with a model in front of them, they can fire over the shoulder. And any elven long swords had got a special rule which let them do funky stuff and so you get to replay that like two minute scene where the orcs are charging and the elves just like spin the swords around as they're shooting them over the shoulders and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But kind it's of, pretty cool. I like it. Kind of an interesting looking game, but it's I don't need another game. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Even if you could do um let's go you can have Glorfindel, you know. Because he's the person who saves them at the Ford, not uh, not Arrowin. You know, you can yep. do it true to book, Sean. You don't have to do movie. You can have Glorfindel in there. Yep. You can, do a, you can do a Fangorn Forest. If you, you if you, if tree you go beard with, and Ents. If you go with non-movie, you don't get the, you know, Haldir having a much bigger role in the movie than he did in the book. I think they did <laughs> Haldir well. Oh, I yeah. love that scene. And for I don't even know that his name's ever spoken in the movie yeah exactly so uh chris i'm hoping that you're you're done there because uh you <laughs> no, know, that's one thing i i've been building epic pike and shot as well so so i've had on my painting stream today because so i did what get sent uh, so i that? got sent uh warlord games new um pike and shot epic battles range oh, okay. so it is uh, 30 years war and um english civil war it comes out on saturday i it did arrive about three and a half weeks ago just as i had covid and then my gallbladder out so i'm massively behind i'm running demos on saturday so i've got to um, finish painting two small demo forces to show off i committed jill into baking a cake because i said there'd be cake at the launch party because you know it's a party so she's got well we're gonna buy one she's just gonna do the icing for it but we're having a party at the sentry box showing off this new game What's it called? Um, Warlord. So it is Pike and Shot Epic Battles. And it's by Warlord Games? Yeah. Warlord Games makes Pike and Shot, which is 28 mil. Uh, but they also have a new Epic Battles range, which brings it down to a 12 millimeter scale. I was just so going to ask, is it 12 or 10? Yeah. Um, but yeah. like, yeah. It's good. I've got um, a bunch of pikemen, some, um, some flintlocks, and some firelocks that I'm currently. Um, throwing paint at um i've got tomorrow to get them finished as well so should be done in time i'll post pictures obviously once they're done and for demos and stuff and then after that i'm gonna do a bigger force to do um a historical battle rather than just demos but that'll probably be in um in late june we'll do that we're designing a special table layout for it so we're going to recreate the battle of wigan lane 
which is uh, my my hometown, and um, we're going to have that fight. So that should be fun. I was going to say, is there a certain level of personal touch you're putting oh, no. on that particular I, I, one? Or is... I mean, it depends. If you're asking the public-facing um, persona, or if you want the truth, because those two things might not be the same. <laughs> Like, I've always been a fan of the truth myself, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I didn't really know about what Battle of Wigan Lane until I googled Battles of the English really? Civil War and Wigan to see if there was one that I could steal. Like, obviously, I knew there would be have been battles around the area, but like... Didn't we... know the specifics about that one. No, like, the only battles I could have probably named would have been like Edge Hill as one of the first ones, and then I think there was a big one around like Newcastle or like one up north with Scottish people and then there was another one like where they kind of um I think there's one like down near in Devon and Cornwall where they're kind of getting intercepted. It, it was a very weird time. The English Civil War is really, really strange. Because it's a bunch of people going like, yeah, we'll go and do this and they're all just incompetent. <laughs> Just a bunch of incompetent morons and buffoons. See, it's but, interesting for me, having come from where I was standing this afternoon on quite literally the battlefields of Getty of Gettysburg. They do have epic battles. Um, is it even is it Gettysburg? I can't remember what it's called, but it's the American Civil War. Um, well, I'm sure. Do they have Napoleonics too? Yeah, but it launched with ACW. It, the first epic battles was American Civil War, and the box set for that is Guts and Glory starter set, which I believe is Gettysburg. In 1861, the Southern states saw Abraham Lincoln's elected president of the fledgling United States of America as a direct threat to the state's rights and way of life. What state's rights to do what, sorry? Um, America was united <laughs> no more. The United, <laughs> yeah, body, body, blah. Uh, but yeah, but I, I believe that this comes with uh, stuff to, to do like a mini Gettysburg. It's got like a farmhouse and some walls and. Um, Holy yeah. hell! You know, I'm looking at it right now. Holy crap! That's a lot. There's of a stuff. shit ton of stuff in there. Yeah. And it's only $120 for more than 750 figures. Cannons, cavalry, the whole nine yards. Yeah. That is really good looking. Wallow games do some really cool stuff. I've always been interested in playing an epic scale game. Like, I, if it had been more popular for more people that were playing around, I would have absolutely played um, 40k epic. Just because I liked the idea of not spending... Seven hundred and fifty to a thousand dollars on a Titan. I could just spend twenty five dollars on a Titan, and they're this big as opposed oh, but, to this big. The secret is Ed, but it costs the same amount of money to play Epic as it did to play Forty K. No, I know, I know that but, because you're playing on a much much larger scale. But I just yeah. thought it was something cool about doing all the little. No, tiny it, it, it it was and is because I have my um, Titan Legion is right in the corner. What about other? But I have the an Imperator Titan. I have Warlord Titans. I have there you Forge go. World, I have a Forge World Reaver and Forge World Warhounds. Beautiful. Um, See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. As and now I now I have Adeptus Titanicus uh, and I have an Imperial Knight household waiting. It's one of the projects up behind Saint Celestine. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You still have that. 
Yeah. Wow, it's... thanks for the reminder. I totally forgot about her. Yeah, it's in the queue. It's in the queue. You have, um, to, let me, you have to let me know uh, when that queue comes up. <laughs> oh, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Mm. My plan, so my rough plan for painting, sorry, Sean, which will just self-indulgent Chris talk. It's fine. Um, my plan is, obviously, I've got to get this army done for Saturday. So I bought the Moria Goblins because I knew that if I bought them, I would have to do them, and that would kind of kickstart everything. So I did the goblins as, a, like I said, a self-indulgent Chris moment. Then I have to get this done. Then next, I want to finish off those goddamn plague marines that have been haunting me for years. I told you we sent Mortarian back for me to touch up and update to a more current style from... So Correct. Mortarion was done, but I've still got like the extra eight Terminators he sent me without asking to do uh... for him. So that's why I've not done them, because I was just pissed off and didn't want to. But I also can't just keep them and not do them. So I want to get that done. Then it's going to be really close with going back to the UK, and I want to take um, a boarding patrol back, because me, Dave, and Jono have booked an Airbnb in Nottingham, so we're going to play boarding action in, um, in Warhammer World Ooh. for like three days straight. So I want to finish my Eandon army, which was the one I did in that where I, could I build build and paint an army in a day whilst looking after Ayla. Um So I think I, I got them three colours, so they were like legal to play, but they're not finished. So I've got, and it's only 11 models, so I want to get those done. But that kind of leaves um, me with everything that I've got on the short term. And then when I get back, it is... Um, nothing that's in here is going to get worked on. It's stuff that's in the ready, what in the queue. So we have um, John Cyberpunk models. Ooh. Your um, your Saint Celestine, my Imperial Knight, Knight household. Um, I, my Plague Marines that I've got, and then the last couple of bits for my Nurgle demons. Uh, is kind of that's all the nebulous stuff I want to get done this year. Then sure, after that, sure. I've got a bunch of. So on the table here, we have my Dark Angels army because um, I've ordered the Lion and um, of course you know. that will that will one hundred percent influence. Hey, I want to start painting more Dark Angels. Yeah, oh, it is what it is. I didn't get the book. I didn't get any of the uh, novels because they all sold out immediately. So oh. big dad. Uh, I've been told that if the store gets one, I'm first in line, but it's it's so allocated. I'm not I'm not holding my breath. I'll be in the store on Saturday. If it's there, I'll pick it up. If not, I'll go on eBay and pay scalper prices for a copy oh. of a book. Is it a hardback? Yeah, that's the only I so the stupid thing is, because I'm an idiot, freely admit I'm an idiot. I will buy it. I want the hardback to go on my shelf and then I will read it on Audible. Yeah, someone will just, read it to me on Audible. I was just going to mention, like, worst case scenario, it'll be on Audible soon. I'm sure. I'll, I'll pay for it twice because. I, but well, I mean, you're paying it, for it. The a, time you're paying your subscription for Audible. Yeah, but yeah. it's a lion, and I, I, I want. I have to. I can't not yeah, own it. It's your army. I totally get it. One, I'm not going to lie. I have every single Sisters of Battle book on Audible on my phone right now. Every one. Every single one. I've gone through almost all of them. That trip to Chicago, I burned through quite a few. Uh, um, I'm up to... I'm finished... Well, what, what, 
what am I currently listening to? Uh, the Garo um, Knight of Grey, where he fights Mortarion. So Garo is currently Ooh. fighting Mortarion. Then after that in my queue is the beginning of the end, or whatever it is, the last Siege of Terror book. I just started one, and I will tell you what it is. I forget which one I just started. Da, 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 come on. I just started, because I finished, I finished Horus Rising, because I had to stop for that, because I was on a Horus Heresy kick for that. I just finished... I know this is great audio. Where the hell are they? Are they all the way at the bottom? Oh, because I took it off the phone already, because I just finished it. Damn it, where the hell did it go? Fill in... Oh, come on. Where are you? Are they at the top still? How do they list these? So weird. I finished Mark of Faith. I did that. Oh, Bap... No, no, no. That's the... Those are the Witcher books that I've got. Where the hell are you? It's so weird the way that they have these ordered. Come on. Why can't I just have them all in order? Dark Imperium, and then it mixes in with... All right, they're here. I forget which one it was. I'll pretend I said something interesting because I can't find the damn book. I just finished it. Anyway, I deleted it off my phone. I can't remember. Oh, well, big sad. That, that the, was worthwhile. I'm glad we went the, there. It's the one leading into the St. Celestine book, which is the one I was really looking forward to because I was really looking forward to hearing that book. Anyway, what else you got there, Chris? Um, That's, that's probably enough for me. You know, I don't think there's anything else of note. It mean, probably is. I don't know. My wife's all over the place. Oh, I bought a new slow cooker because uh, uh, slow cooker. Ooh, I, nice. I made pulled pork the other week. I, I can't remember. If I took pictures of it and posted it. I used yep. the Sentry Box barbecue sauce and made um, made some pulled pork. But um, but then as I was like cleaning the actual heating element part of it, it's getting. It was already patchy rust you know what i mean but it's yeah. like bubbling a little bit now and I'm like you know what that's probably had we've had this slow cook for 10 years it's probably had its run it's like, past yeah. its prime yeah it moved to cold lake it moved back from cold lake it probably has done its tour of duty just let it go <laughs> let it go yeah. to the slow cooker like island in the sky yeah yep. honorable discharge full colors the whole nine yards yeah, yeah. the, but, the um, graveyard I ordered um, a ninja one. So I was going to try and get out of like, a crock pot, but then I was like, well, I'll, I'll try and see if I can get one where they, they have the sear function as well. So I don't mm-hmm. have to sear my meat, then put it in. And I was looking at this one. And it was a little bit more than I wanted to pay. So, well, it was a little bit more than Jill would have wanted to pay. I, <laughs> I would have paid thousands of dollars because I'm a moron. Um, but I transferred money out of my um, my. Chris and Evie, and now Ayla, like hobby fund, which we haven't really used too much of. I, I every time I get paid, I siphon off a hundred dollars into this mm-hmm. account for gotcha. like when me and Evie go to zoo and stuff. But because Jill's been off work, I've not really been using it. So I sent that and I used that to buy the slow cooker. So Jill has hogged it because she made baby food and then didn't clean it out because we didn't have enough Tupperware tubs to put it in. So mm. I'm like, I, I want to use my slow cooker. So that that's been fun. I'm gonna make a um, a braised steak pot pie. Um, Ooh. Um, I'm gonna start cutting meat tomorrow, and I will probably make it on Saturday for supper. So I'll have Ooh. um pie, nice pie crust, and nice chunky steak in a gravy, and then some mashed potatoes, and um, yeah, peas and carrots. Uh, Joe will have peas and carrots. I'll just have more pie. <laughs> 
that's that, that's what you, it belongs. You don't man. you don't murder your gallbladder by eating peas and carrots. That come on. This is true. <laughs> you this go for true. the you go for the straight up grease. You know? <laughs> oh, so, so I, when we used to go out and like drinking and stuff in the military, like we'd go and get a kebab afterwards. So like a, a, oh. a, a, a donna kebab, but I think in North America it's a donna. But over here, I think they're like wrapped in like a, a wrap, like almost like a burrito. And yeah. UK it comes with a, a, a heated pita bread where it's like got yep. quite earth filled. So you slice it and then you slam all the donna meat into it. And you have yeah. like, it comes with like uh, ca- red cabbage and um, like a mm. hot sauce and like onions and, and stuff. And I always used to say, I'll have my, uh, my, my donna kebab and chips. No salad because it's less calories that way. Because, <laughs> like, you, fact, you want to factually fill accurate. Factually accurate, but. Because I'm going to have a doner kebab and chips anyway. Adding salad on top of that is more calories. Actually okay. accurate. So removing Ma- that makes it healthier. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't suppose. make it healthy, it just makes it healthier. It's like the Diet Coke with a triple burger from your... Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, technically that's better, but not by much. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have um, an extra large pizza, a side of fries, some chicken nuggets, and a Diet Coke, please. Diet Coke. Oh, yeah. Feel good about my life choices. Where's my gallbladder now? That's right. I don't right, know I'm why gonna... it died. Chris, I'm Sorry. cutting you off there because we, we need to hear from Ed. Do we, though? <laughs> oh, I actually have shit to talk about, to be perfectly honest. I know, you've played two games of 40k. That's why I've been vamping for four hours in the hope you'd fall asleep. Three, <laughs> correct, you, correct you, three we've gotten. Well, all right, so technically I've played two and I coached one. Um, so long story short, uh, we've get, uh, going off to Adepticon, if nothing else, kicked off the I want to be playing 40k again in this household. So Gabe and I, of course, once we immediately got back from Adepticon, got right back up to the game store. Um, our first game back was an interesting one in the fact we have a little tyke. Um, who is learning the game. His, I don't want to give his name out, but he is 10 years old. So I scheduled a game to play with him, and I'm like, all right, this will probably be oh, good. You, you crush dreams and... No. 100%. We 100% let him win the game, because how it ended up working, it was Gabriel played 1,000 points. He played 500 points. I played 500 points. Gabe took it easy on us so that we would win, so that he would win that game, that kind of thing. Um, it was it, That was an interesting game, not necessarily not necessarily the player per se, but the conversation I had with his mom before the game, um, because it was like, Oh, I really appreciate you doing this. You know, a lot of the guys are kind of iffy about playing with a kid. And she's like, you know, Uh, and you, and you said the line, Oh, I love playing with kids. No, that's not what I said. Good job. Well done. You passed day one basics of interacting with people's parents. Right? What I said is, well, this is my son, Gabriel. He's 18 years old, and he started playing this game when he was 8 years old. So when it comes down to teaching this game, I know how to teach this game to children. Um, So we did... So I don't necessarily consider that one a game. I I just picture the... um... The episode of Friends where Joey's got the acting role and he, he's got the hernia, but he needs to do the acting part to get his medical insurance to have the surgery. And he's got to interact with a kid and he's like, Hey, Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> I was it, it was a it was a lot of like just picking up dice, rolling, moving models, kind of explaining rules kind of thing. But what that led to is 
Cha- uh, Chad's son, Logan, and yeah. his new his friend uh, who is looking to get into 40K showed up to the store that day. So what that led us to was the following week, me saying, okay, well, I have an extra army of Marines just sitting around collecting dust. Why don't we get those on the table for you, give you an idea what the game's like. We'll do a nice little four-way. Logan, Logan, myself, um, Gabriel, and his friend can all be on the same table. We'll kind of teach them how the game goes. I found out a four-way game is not the best way to go, especially whenever one person doesn't remember the golden rule about teaching a new player a new game, and that's you don't bring your kick in the teeth rip your throat out army to a training game. You bring the lower down list. And of course, Logan raffle stomped his, his buddy. Like, well, of course you beat the new guy that's never played the game. Um, so that means, like I said, that wasn't really much of a game. So what I decided to do this week, having two fail necessarily failures, um, this past weekend on Tuesday, this past week on Tuesday, what we did is I decided to play coach, which meant that I'm not playing the game. I will bring, I brought my Tyranids up, which I think I made a new Tyranids player, by the way. I will print out an army list and I will sit there over your shoulder and I will show you, here's how you do this. This is how you do this. These are some of the things you know how to do. And he played a game against, wait for it, Chad. Because when we were there, Chad found out his son was at the game store. He swung by and went, absolutely, because he found out all the rules are going to be free to move over to 10th edition. No money going out. I might as well start getting stuff on the board. Start getting. Sorry, you know, wait, say that again. Oh, oh you didn't hear this so, part. On, no. on, well, it's been, been sat poised for his next episode of Heresy Cast because that's where Sean gets all of his news from. This so, is true. Of course, he's not heard of it. Uh, get get most extra digs in, Sean. It's okay. I've got your back, man. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> twist, twist and I, right. So one of the things I forgot to mention, whenever, I think I, I thought I did, but maybe I didn't, um, that they announced at Adepticon when they were announcing 10th edition is that to start, they are resetting the game, which means everyone's codexes and everyone's rules, rule books are basically going away when 10th edition happens. And in order to get all the armies and everyone up to speed to begin the game of 10th edition, they are releasing the core rules, the full core rules for free online, downloadable, and all the rules for everyone's armies, downloadable for free to start the game. Now, they will be releasing codices eventually, probably a couple months after release. And is that slow- for game balancing and stuff? Probably. Or um, is it just for the fluff? Because if you have the rules for your army, what do you need the codices for? So, well, you don't. But when they release a codex, it will invalidate the free rules they've put out because Games Workshop likes money. Correct. I get that, but what's going to bother me is it's going to fall back into that trend where the first army is screwed by the time the last army codex I know. comes out. I know. know, and when so, they made... So there's a meme for this. You've got to imagine a noose. Is that your yeah. First time? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's... If... <laughs> So are they releasing? You. Are they releasing new models? Yeah, there'll so be new a... models, but they're not going to invalidate your army. The, like, old, the armies old. you have, Sean, will be fine. Yeah, feel nothing comfortable. you own will be bad. I have been playing with models that I bought all the way back in fourth edition. They are still valid. They are still usable. Sometimes they change the damn base size, but beyond that, they are still viable, still usable. So when they made the announcement at Adepticon, I did not hear the words and codexes will be coming later. All I heard were, was Mike Brandt say the rules will be free. Now, admittedly, and you can talk to Gabe after this, I was in a state of shock after I heard that because I have never heard the words free rules come out of Games Workshop's mouth 
ever in the entire time I have been playing this hobby. So I may have been in a bit of a stupor or punch drunk whenever he said those words, but I don't recall him mentioning that they were going to be codices. However, in the couple of days after Adepticon happened, they did release an article saying that codices are coming. They will invalidate. They'll probably do the two armies that are going to be in the starter set, which are going to be Tyranids and Space Marine are probably going to be back to back for those two codexes. So every other army, once the new codex comes out, the data cards that were released out there, what I don't know is... If it goes into the model of if you want the fluff, you can buy the codex, but the data cards will still be free. I don't know if they're going to maintain that or not. I, d- I doubt it. I, I doubt it. I doubt it too. <laughs> but the upside is for the first two to three months of the game of 10th edition, and Im- imagine you're. Like, one- Sean's a guard player, so he can play until the last codex edition. I was just going to say, imagine yeah, you're one yeah. of the last ones to come out. You could be playing the game for free for three years. Yeah, can but, you though? And, You'll be suffering through the game for three years. I was well, well but, but here's the deal: I'm not going to be playing in tournaments and stuff. It's, oh yeah, right, right. You'll you be know, fine. for me. It's one or two other people you're playing. You know, so so there's there's pluses and minuses to that. So the upside is is whenever they were, and this is what happened whenever they went into eighth edition. They did the exact same thing. Whenever seventh edition ended, they invalidated everyone's codices and they came out with these indices. You had to buy the books. But you got all the rules for all your army. It was the bare bone basic rules. Whatever special rules your army did, all the stats for your stuff, maybe some special stuff. But the game was balanced because they were all developed at the exact same time, played against the exact same armies. That little window of index hammer back in 8th edition, what's going to be data card um, hammer in 10th edition, was probably the most balanced the game had ever been. Until a codex comes out. So then what happens is you start, the power creep starts. So the first codex is going to come out, the Space Marine Codex, which is always the first codex, is going to be stronger than all of the other ones. And then the Tyranid is going to come out. And they're going to be basically the same because they were developed at the same time for the box set. But then the next army is going to come out, the next army. And then we're going to restart the same cycle all over again, which is super frustrating. Well, that, that's technically not true because what generally happens is they go... Okay, this is what our design force for. This is our design force for. Oh no, this sucks. We're going to do dark angels now and make it all really simple and crap. So, but it's okay because everyone's going to go like this. Oh, that no, was a terrible idea. So next time is good. Next time is good. Next time is good. Except your dark angels get stuck with yeah. that codex for yeah. eight just years. Twice, just twice in a row. It's okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, so what ends up happening though, you end up at this, hitting this weird tipping point. If the cycle goes the way that it does in the past, where half the armies in the game don't have a codex, they're still playing off the data cards. They are extraordinarily underpowered to the ones that do have a codex that are much more um, in line with the power sh- power curve of the game at that point. And the way, that, and I know their development cycle. Whenever they're developing a codex, they're developing it with the one or two or three previous codexes. So by the time you get to the end of the life cycle and they keep powering up and powering up and powering up, you get all the way towards the end when this codex over here and the ones that start off in the beginning aren't even on the same playing field. Gotcha. So that's what it, I'm afraid is going to happen. Now, that having been said, they've seemed to have taken quite a bit from the community. They've taken quite a bit of advice. They've seen the complaints that have been made. So I do have this glimmer of hope in my eye that maybe games workshop will get this one right maybe with the admittedly prior to ninth edition i would have told you the fifth edition was my favorite edition of the game because it felt to me the most balanced of the game because it was the first time that uh, games workshop kind of looked at this whole tournament thing like these events maybe we should pay more attention to that and designed a game towards that now did they get it 100 correct no there were plenty of things that they got wrong with fifth edition um 
not bikers being the probably the first thing that comes off my list and then introducing flyers at the tail end of the game with nothing that could actually kill them being the second but overall towards the basis of the game it was fairly balanced every once in a while you'd have a matt ward codex come out and space marines were ungodly powerful but they never did anything to fix them ninth edition is the first edition of the game that i sat down and watched the game game company literally make a video of itself making fun of itself for making a codex too powerful because they saw the reaction immediately and went, oh, well, here, every time you buy the Leagues of Oton Codex, we'll just send you a first place trophy. Like, like they literally made that joke. So they are fully conscious of how things are going. So my sincerest hope is that even if they do get a Codex wrong in the first time with these every, you know, three times a year, four times a year, whatever it is, these balance slate changes they're doing, I think it's twice a year. Um, it's twice a year. Will continue to keep the game balanced. And so, so is 10th edition diametrically a new game you know is it opposed diametrically no um i think there's enough changes to the game so what they have done in the past this is going to be your probably first edition change what they've done in the past is if they did a new edition your old edition codex would still work in the new edition so all the stats would still work, but they're obviously some of the design changes would be a little bit different and your codex would feel a little bit wonky. They'd probably release an FAQ to reword some of the things in your codex to kind of bring it up until such time as your codex was put out. That's the way that every edition that I ever played in prior to 8th edition was, was that. But once they started doing, like, even in ninth edition, like right up until Guard just got theirs, like they were still playing off an 8th edition codex. Right. So fundamentally the rules of the game are going to say what you understand to be the change movement's still going to be movement you're still going to roll to hit you're still going to roll to wound you're still going to roll they're still going to make armor saves um those things are, are are pretty much evergreen they may change mildly but i highly doubt it it's just how it's presented in 10th edition that's a little bit different hmm. so for example weapon skill and ballistic skill are not listed on a data slate anymore it's listed on the weapons that your character currently has because yeah, you, had a whole bunch of these, you had a whole that bunch of these. Sense. It does. It really, it's there. How did Mike Brent put it? They're simplifying the game, but they're not making the game simple in the fact like, Oh, well, if my character has a power fist, there used to be a rule in there that used to write in there in the small print that said, when this character makes an attack of this weapon, add one to the attack roll. Well, instead of I, doing that, they, yeah, minus one to hit. Instead, they just gave him a weapon skill of four with a power fist, but if you're swinging with a chainsword, it's a weapon skill of three. It's just literally right there in the weapon readout in your... Here, let me see if I can grab a grab a screenshot here. Here, I'll share my screen because uh, I was currently... I was watching Bricky's video. Here is what a new... Hold on. Click watch. I mean, it's all a Warhammer community as well. It is, but I was I was watching this before we, I, I logged on to here. So here is what a standard sheet looks like. So you've got your movement. That stays the same. Toughness stays the same. Your save stays the same. How many wounds? Leadership changed a little because it's one of the only weird dice rolls in the game where you actually want to roll lower rather than higher. They just flipped it. Mm-hmm. So if your leadership says it's six plus, it means you want to roll a six or higher on 2d6. That's not the same. OC is a new statistic that wasn't in there before. That's how they're replacing objective secured. Those were some of the troops that actually, if they were on a, it was, that was the rock, paper, scissors uh, effect that they had. If, if I'm standing on an objective and you're standing objective, who holds that objective? Well, my guys are troops. They're objective secured. So they count for more than your troops do because they're not objective secured. They've just kind of rolled that all into 
OC. Every single model has an OC ruling. You add up, you add up all the OC. Whoever has the highest number wins. It just takes oh. it out of the data swipe for stuff like um, knights were armagers counters five. Five and, and yeah, the big one's yeah. kind of ten. So, no, so you let just, me ask. it's whatever number is in that box. Is what so this data slate that you're showing that the crowd that's listening can't see, mm -hmm. um, is this what a data slate's going to look like now? Correct. Yep. This is this, this, this is, is so a... much easier than the well, other. Here's the Here's the best part. Every single special rule that could ever affect this model is on this card. Yeah. That's it. Because I don't have to go to this page in a freaking book to look it up. Correct. Because, because the keyword, you know, I have a keyword and then I have to go back and look that up. And then I have, yeah, that. So for me, that's the heart. Like my son gets this stuff really quick. It takes me a while to understand it. And that's the thing that like it, it bogs the game down for me because it I have does. to literally take all these notes and have a notebook with all this crap in there and then try to figure it all out, you know? And it's just like, I need something just like this where kind of like it was an X-Wing where everything was on the yes. card. You know? Well, and here's the here's the best part for it too. Like there were also, aside from the rules that could be on a data slate, you also had those um how you would spend stratagems. Like, oh, you've got a deck of cards, and if there's you know this one affects this one, you could spend it on that, but oh crap, I forgot I had that stratagem because there's 75 stratagems in my deck. Everything yep. that could ever affect this model is on this card. You don't need to have any of those anymore. It's just on the card. Simple, not simplified, but gotcha. simple. But if you take a look in here, for example, so he's got a Kami weapon. That's one of the ones that's like a combination of a bolter and maybe a melta or a flamer or something like that. You'll take okay. note that his ballistic skill for that is four plus, whereas if he's using, I don't know, a storm bolter, it's three plus. They rolled in all of those rules that could possibly affect a two hit or a two wound all into the weapon itself. Right. Makes it so much easier. I can read everything I need to know about this one model on this one data card. That's it. Well, the thing I need is like to be able to print this out, which you'll be able to do because they will be available for free by PDF on, on Games Workshop's website whenever they come out. Now, the interesting so, part for that is they're going to be demoing this game at Warhammer Fest on April 29th. So there is a good, strong possibility that we are going to see the full core rules released by Games Workshop on that day. Because if they think that they're going to be able to demo this game and people will be able to buy the box set that day and not release those rules to the internet 24 hours later, they're sorely mistaken. So they're probably going to get ahead of the curve and they're probably going to release those. Now, are they going to release the full 10th edition? Probably not. But we'll probably at least have the full core rules. And that's all they've been doing on Warhammer Community the last two weeks is releasing little snippets of, uh, of code of what's going to be 10th edition rules. Okay. So it's really exciting time to be into 40 K, which has pulled a lot of 40 K players out of the woodwork. The store has been packed for the last three weeks. Like we quite literally had to clear the demo table off on Tuesday. Um, so that we could get a game in because we, they, they have a table in the front that they always have like um, terrain set up and they've got some models like, oh, if you want to play a game, we'll get one of the guys here to kind of teach you one of those things. We had to wipe all that stuff off to be able to get the game, the, the coaching game that I did um, where I was coaching um, Logan's friend through playing Tyranids. Chad right. did Chad did the right thing and fed him units and let him win his first game. See, mm -hmm. that's how you're supposed to do it. And of course, I made the joke in the parking. He The funny part is he's smart enough to, the guy's smart enough to pick it up about three quarters of the way through that game goes, are these two armies equal? And I said, well, 
So technically, yes, they are both 1,000 point forces. However, Chad severely powered down the selections that he would have normally taken to play you in a training game. Um, if Chad were allowed to do whatever he wanted and feel a thousand points of his choosing, this would not be an equal army in any stretch of the imagination. And Chad would not, and Chad would not have lost. Right. But because it's a teaching game, he's like, that's fine. That's fine. I, I understand that. But the upside is he wants her to bring Tyranids back next week. He wants to continue to learn it. And I think I might just let him go on his own. Um, because he's uh, scheduled to play Gabriel next week. And then I'm going to try to actually get a real game in with sisters. Um, so it'll be fun. So yeah, I've gotten technically two games and one uh, training game in of 40k in the, since the last time we all talked. Very cool. Very oh, and I just checked. Um, I don't know what you fed shrimp before. I've never done shrimp in an aquarium. I know we didn't do our steam decks in, a, in an aquarium episode like we wanted to on Sunday, but um, this is my first time actually doing red cherry shrimp. And I, what I'm finding in a very well-planted tank, I never see all 10 of them at any one given point in time. Um, because, And that's the way that it's supposed to be. There's supposed to be all these little kind of hidey holes and nooks and crannies that they can hide. So whenever the babies come, they can kind of have plenty of places to not get eaten by any of the fish in there. Um, but when it came down to feeding them, I was like, well, I, what do you feed them? Because like I know they're quote-unquote bottom feeders and they eat fish poop and all the biofilm. But like you're supposed to really feed them better things for them for like their their shells and things like that. And I'd read a whole bunch of people saying, Oh yeah, no, they love zucchini. I'm like, all right, we'll need cut up a zucchini kind of blanch it a little. And then boom floats to the top. They have no interest whatsoever in that. What I did find are these little drop and sink to the bottom ones that are perfect. They've got calcium and all kinds of things. So I had a little shrimp Thanksgiving right before yep, I came. Some, some eggshell in there as well. You can do a lot of different things. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, they're, they have a shell, so you need to feed them for their shell. That's why you want alkaline water, not acidic water mm -hmm. um, with shrimp or, you know, or, you know, closer to alkaline. If you have acidic water, it just can't be like a 5.0 pH. It'll kill oh, God, no. Like I said, I told you, my, because because of the driftwood in my tank, it's like a 6.8. No, yeah. And like wh I, what I don't want to do is continue to continue to try to chase pH never chase ph and never chase hardness right you know exactly. if things will adapt to the hard you know i i know that if you're doing the perfect tank you know you want to have you know your your hardness is you know depending upon the type of fish you have you want the hardness to be exactly what it is for that fish and you know your tank to basically be biologically active for those shrimp now you're, you you choose between flora and fauna in a planted tank. And, and that's what you have to understand is you have plants. So now are you going to have a tank that's going to grow your plants or are you going to have a tank that's more for your fish and shrimp? And the reason why I say that is, is because if you're going for planted tanks, then you're going to want CO2 injection. You're going to want plant feeding more so than what you're doing for your fish and mm. that's the that's the hardest part when you when you talk like i'm alive i will never have a tank without live plants i just bought a i 100 percent agree with that 100 percent. but you have to think about the plant you're putting in you know um anubius nanas are great cryptocorins are great when you get into a lot of the specialty type plants you have to be careful because your tank will not be balanced for those types of, you know, the, the frailer plants, you know, 
Anubius will melt and then they'll come back. Cryptocorians will melt and they'll come back. You know, the rhizome, um, you know, types of things. So you have to decide how you're going to do your tank. If you want shrimp in your tank, my suggestion to you is you already have a live or you already have a, a prolific, um, so a prolific breeder. Shrimps are very prolific breeders. So I, I, heard. I personally would not do live bearers then because your bio load will creep up on you so fast that your tank will basically go out of balance pretty quick. Unless you have second or third or fourth tanks that you can pull the, the, you know, the fish or the shrimp out and put them into to take that bio. You, it's only a 29 gallon tank. You don't have, you know, 55 gallon or larger that can handle a large bio load. You have a 29, 30 gallon tank which only has so much surface space. So there's only so much CO2 that you can get out of that tank. You know, every time a fish breathes, it breathes in oxygen, releases CO2. That CO2, some of it will go to the plants, but you still, it'll still get released to the air above the tank. So there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration when you're doing these types of tanks. So hmm. if you do shrimp and you want a lot of shrimp, then don't do live bearers with them. Because guppies, platies, uh, the whatever the swordtails are, yeah. those things are prolific breeders, and you'll have you, you'll have fifty at a time coming from those things. And then you got to have a plan on what you're going to do with them because you got to grow them. You know that's why if you're you're breeding fish, you have to have breeder tanks and grow tanks and all of that type of stuff. So. That's what you got to be careful with. You got to choose which way you want to go because what's also going to happen is platies and guppies and swordtails will pick off the baby shrimp, you know, like that. It, True. That's why that's where I'm going to go with a heavily planted uh, a heavily planted tank and that's why I have some of the hanging the floating plants so that the babies have places to hide. But that is a good point. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Yeah, you just have to watch bio load. Like I, I do a 20 long. My favorite tank is a 20 long or what they call a 20 breeder. It's a shorter tank. So, yeah. you, you know, it's it's the same length. Let's see. It's 30 inches long. So I believe it's the same length as a 29 gallon. Yeah. If I'm not, I haven't seen a 29 for a while. But it's a 30 inch tank in length, but it's 12 inches deep. And then it's 12 inches deep. So, you know, the width and depth of it is, I think, 12 or 18 inches and 18 inches, I think, is what it is looking at it. So my tank is more for plants. Like, I'm not going to have any fish in my tank. It's all going to be shrimp and plants. Hmm. And that's my tank because I'll be able to manage it better that way, you know. And having a, you know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the 20-gallon long is the same is the same width as a 29 if i'm not mistaken i gotta i it's been a while since i've dealt with bigger tanks and stuff but that's okay you know but but you always have to keep that in mind on what you're doing to do with your bio load so well like i said i think i mentioned this before but one of the plans i was going to go through we have about four pet stores within about a stone's throw away from my house and i wanted to see if they would be willing to like i said maybe i can make a buck or two 
off of shrimp and dropping those in because currently they do have some, but they always have a very low volume of them. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is that they're like, they're just not buying them. So I did want to reach out to those pet stores. You do bring up a very good point. I'm probably going to have to figure solve that problem here in about three or four months. Uh, whenever I start getting more baby shrimp in there that I know what to do with, I'm going to probably want to figure out what I'm going to do with those shrimp. Um, and, and be careful because you're going to want to also watch your shrimp and call them if you see the clear shrimps. Yes, you know? I know. Kind of get the clear colors out if you want to keep them red. If you want to keep them, yeah, because they'll breed it out pretty quick. Well, and that's probably the other thing I'm going to do is I, have a, I, I genuinely think I might do a culling tank. Like just do a small like five gallon or a ten gallon culling tank. I don't even know if I like put a substrate in there for them um, just to keep them in there. Feed them, make sure that they're taken care of and filtered and stuff like that. But like you said, take all those clear ones out. Mm-hmm. Gotta be careful because you don't want to take all the males out because male red cherry shrimp tend to be a little bit more translucent than the females. Yeah, it's but one... they'll have the red spots. They, sure. they have yeah. the red spots. You, you'll be you're... able to tell really quick with cherry shrimp on which is male, which is female. And, and they'll be small when you can see it. You know, sure, sure, 100%. Older age, you'll be able to tell pretty quickly with them. And... You know, you could do, you can't mix. So like uh, if you did a blue shrimp, I can't, you know, like uh, I can't remember what they're called, but not like the crystal, not like the crystal reds, those fancy, fancy shrimp, but yeah. the ones that are basically the same strain as cherries, but they're blues, there's yeah, yellows. Yeah, they're still, the, they're still in the Neo family. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the other thing is if, if you get tired of cherry shrimp, sell them all and get whatever color you want and, you know, work that you know, and try to get vibrant strains too. That's the other thing too, is stores will always buy those vibrant red cherry shrimp with a per, you know, that beautiful stripe down the back of the female and all that. All, They'll buy the all, crap. All of my that. females have it. The company that I got them from, um, shrimply business, I think is what they were called. <laughs> uh, like okay. they're based out of Seattle, Washington. Yep. They're gorgeous. They're absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Very bright red, very vibrant. red. They only listed them as a double a red. I think they're closer to Bloody Marys myself, but yeah, they undersold I mean, but, them. If you want my honest opinion, because they are gorgeous. Yeah, and I think a lot of those companies though grade their shrimp really stringently. They do because they're selling them to breeders, you know, most of the time. So what they're going to call a double A might be to you a triple A, you know, yeah. or to me an A, you know, because. I'm not really worried about the vibrancy of it and stuff. You know, my tank, I will never cull unless they're clear and I will never remove a shrimp out of my tank. Cause all it's going to be is shrimp. What do you plants. do with your, what do you do with your, your cullings? Do you just, do you Flush have them a toilet? Seriously? Yep. Aw. It sounds cruel. You know, it sounds cruel, but if you, if I stick them in another tank, they're not going to, they're not going to be paid attention to, you know? Yeah, you just you know you got to remember you're only manage you only want to manage one tank if you can. That's the plan. And, you know, or you could sell it to somebody. You know, find somebody who has. Um, there are you know, plenty like crabs, people that sell them crabs on or, Yeah, you can sell them. You know, you can sell them as you know uh, what the hell do they call? What are those fish that they got? Like what they give to bigger bigger fish? You know, I can't remember feeder fish. Feeder fish. You could just make them feeder shrimp if you want to, you know, and, and that's really what they're worth because once you, you know, it's like ghost shrimp, you know, they have no real technical value to them. Like my tank will have a monos, 
and it will have cherry shrimps because it can't interbreed and a monos don't reproduce in a normal fish tank. Right, right. It has to be brackish water. So it'll carry their eggs, they'll drop their eggs, and then the shrimp will eat the eggs, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like a nice, and then I will have otosynclases for algae. That's the only fish I'll have, but I don't really consider Yeah, them. I just want, so far the only thing in there are the snails. I've got the two mystery snails I've got, and then a couple of those other smaller, uh, six of those other smaller snails that aren't going to breed in that tank. So those are the only ones I'm going to have. And then the shrimp. Um, but you are correct in the fact that I'm going to have to come up with a plan fairly quickly as far as what to do with those other ones. And I might just set up a breeder, not even a breeder tank because you don't, they don't even really require the filtration. They just need a steady temperature. I might just get myself like a, a Walmart tub, put a little bit of like an air stone in there just for the, you know, surface agitation, oxygenation, oxygenation and some stuff in there to grow a little bit of biofilm for them. And then, like you said, just either sell them on eBay as feeder shrimp or see if the local pet stores will take them yeah you know that's that's the thing you just got to manage the once you put fish in with shrimp you know your bio load's different you know mm-hmm. if you, you were talking about loaches well loaches will eat your snails yeah you know your your loaches will love your snails and your shrimp you know over time um i think if you got coolie loaches Cooley loaches were the one I was going to go with because I love the fact that they look like snakes. Yeah, they're just stringy, but they hide. You'll never, ever, ever see them. Oh, I know. They're like more nocturnal, you know? too. That's the other thing. So they don't yeah. even come out until the lights are out. No, and they, if, they, if they notice movement, they won't come out outside the tank. They're, they're very timid type of, you know, unless you they have are. you know, unless you have too many. But anyway, um, really quick, I'm going to do my flight deck real quick. Sure. So, and of course, you oh know, wait, two seconds, two seconds. I, I think I did mention I went to my trip uh, to Gettysburg. I spent an Airbnb, spent the three nights on, or uh, three hours last night on the Steam Deck, because I'll interesting. So if I have one little complaint about the Steam Deck, um, if you're in a place that I don't know has a really shitty internet connection, and it can't connect. Steam games don't really work very well because they want to be able to connect to the internet to be able to connect to the account. Um, you can play an offline mode, but not every game has an offline mode. Apparently right. none of mine did. Um, and then the Epic Game Store, where I've got some of my games uh, side-loaded in as well, also have that same problem. So luckily for me, I did all of my emulation stuff. So I got to sit down and play old video games for three hours oh, last yeah. night. With it. So that was actually a really nice play for me to be able to go, oh, well, I can't play this game, play this game. Oh, well, I guess I've got like 4,000 games I'm going to pick. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. That's one of my good yep. all to go back anytime I like games. And I spent three hours on that last night. And that, that's what I like about the Steam Deck is you have that choice. You can go into Battlestar sure. or whatever your emulator is and play games. Or if you have good internet connection, you play Steam games that... Not every Steam game works, and if you're trying to play the games that you know have the anti-cheat stuff, you have to do the Windows. You know, you have to do the Windows. Stuff. The, other I could stuff. have probably I could have probably played Bloodstain on Steam, but whenever I realized like the I had two games that I was looking to play, I was looking to play either Alien Isolation, um, which is on the Epic Game Store, but I couldn't even get it to couldn't even get the Epic Games loader to start because of the internet connection, and so apparently that's something I need to see if there's a way or workaround for that. I'll tinker with that, and then I was going to go and play um, Hollow Knight, but also because it, it doesn't have an offline mode, 
And I'm like, well, damn it. Uh, I did test it after when I got home today. Bloodstain does have an offline mode, so I could have played that. But once I realized those two games were off the table, I went, oh, crap, I'll just go back and play Symphony of the Night because that is a game quite literally that I can pick up at any point in time and be happy playing. And I was. And I think I only used like 10% of my battery. Um, I sat there on the couch as I was waiting for the kids to go to sleep for like three hours and only used 10% of my battery because I know one of the big one of the big complaints about uh, the Steam Deck is the fact that the battery life is not that hot whenever you're playing those AAA games. And I agree, it probably isn't. But for me, playing an old you know, emulated game, I, I could do that for 15 hours and it wouldn't kill that battery. Yeah, I think the stuff that I have for the, with Batisera, it'll kill it semi-quickly, but that's what a cable charging cable is for. Right, you know, exactly. You just plug it in and you can still play. You know, my charging cable is, what, four feet long? So Yeah, and it's, it's the one thing that from the one from Valve, it's not a plug-in. It's actually physically connected to the charger, which I really wish they hadn't done. Um, so if you want to go and get another cable, you actually have to go and get another 65-watt plug as well, a brick for it. Yeah, and that's just what you have to It's just like anything. You know, if you're going to do stuff like for arcade, the arcade machines, you're looking at the 5-amp, you know, output. You know, mm-hmm. so you're always having to pay attention to what your inputs and outputs are on them to be able to use them correctly. You know, you can't just use a phone charger to, to play yeah. with the steam deck. It won't work. You know? it'll, it'll trickle charge it, but you'll, you'll, it, you you, you'll burn. It. Yeah, yeah. It'll, you won't charge fast enough to be able to do anything with it. And Correct. Yeah. That's the one thing about <laughs> arcades that I've learned is it's all about how your, your power supply is built, you know? You know, because for every arcade machine I have, I have to have that, you know, 120 volt to whatever volt to 5 amp. You know, it's got to be 5 amps, 12 volt, okay. 5 amps. Yep. So anytime you're going to replace something or buy a, a power supply, you just have to pay attention to that, you know. And and that's like, so real quick. So I'm pointing. So everybody who's, hmm, who's listening. listening, this is going to be great for you guys. But so... On my big one there, that's the ALU 1.2. So the At Games Legends Ultimate 1.2. You guys know I added the light gun and stuff to that. So I also changed out the joysticks to... It's it's one made by Glenn's Retro Show or Thunderstick Studios. They're a better joystick, but I can also replace the, the ball top, the red top, sorry, the red tops with Tron joysticks. So the light oh, up Oh, that's awesome. The light up two button Tron joysticks. So, so I have not when you say better controller, is it like an eight by instead of the four by? So what it is, so there's there's another thing I did to it too. So what it is is it's a it's a stronger spring. So oh, instead okay. of using instead of using micro buttons, it uses micro switches that have the paddles on them basically. So if you're doing the eight-way ring or the you know the the over the round ring or eight-way ring, you're getting better contact. Gotcha. And then the other thing I did is I upgraded from the same company. They they sell um, electric four and eight-way gates. So basically, how how the joystick works is on the bottom of the joystick. So you have the 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 top of the joystick is what you always see on an arcade machine. It's the stem, and then the ball or bat top. Underneath is is where all the switches are and everything else that's going on it. And then at the bottom of it, and I could show you, but I'm not going to get stuff out. On the bottom of it is the actual gate. So that's what gives you the directional gate. 
whether it be a four-way gate, an eight-way gate. Right. There's also a round gate, which is great for fighting games. And then there's the 49-way joystick, which is more of an, it's an electronic version where it's sensitivity out to 49 directions, you know? Oh, that's cool. So that's like what NFL Blitz. So if you've ever played NFL Blitz, NFL Blitz has a 49-way joystick. Um, I think Time Pilot has one. Um, I believe, which, you know, if you're not playing on one, it's a little difficult. Sinistar is a 49-way joystick. Oh, I did not know that. And that's why when you play on a regular 8-way joystick, it's very hard to beat Sinistar because of the control. Because your control is, for the games like that, it's a sensitivity rather than a, rather than a actual, like, place you're putting it it's how far out you're moving it and stuff so you literally have a mechanical limitation based on that. correct so with this now i have eight-way gates and four-way gates so if i want to play burger time or i want to play pac-man or something like that i just hit a button and it switches it from an eight-way gate to a four-way gate because i've seen some that you can actually like pull up and twist some of them yes some of them are pull up and twist um but this is all now electromechanical so That's I have cool. I have good joysticks. They're not top of the, super top of the line, but they're better than the the stock ones that were in there. Stock ones were eight ways. These are eight ways, but with the gate with the mechanical gate, it's an eight four. Um, and all I do is push a button and it switches. So That's cool. Um, and then I got this. This is my newest machine here. This is the arcade one of class of uh, 1981, which it has. Miss Pac-Man and Galaga are the two feature games on it. But then it also has Dig Dug. It has Dig oh. Dug 2, Galaga 88, and, you know, a bunch of games. But the best part about this is what they did correctly. So, and I'm going to turn it just a little bit. But you see the angle of this monitor, right? Mm-hmm. So it's angled this way. Yes. Where most companies are making the monitors this way. Almost vertical. But when you played Pac-Man in the arcade, it's this way. It is. Galaga was this way. A lot of the older games were at that, you know, whatever it is, the the lower angle and stuff. So It's almost like a 45-degree angle. Right. And with this machine, they did it correctly, too, because it's a four-way gated joystick. The way way they were made back then. The way that they were made. So I'm not sure if every game on here is four-way gated or you would need but it has mappy on it which is four-way gate dig dug's four-way gate yep galaga was a, a two-way gate you know just a side to side gate um miss pac-man was four-way gate um and i don't i don't remember everything that's on it but you know it's just a really cool this is what they call their deluxe version now so they have their that's sharp their, it really is sharp. yeah it's beautiful and when you you know turn it on I mean, you know, the marquee lights up really well. The screen's really well, you know, really well done. So that's pretty much what I've done behind it is the re-release of Star Wars, the Star Mm. Wars cabinet, Um, which the cool thing is, is there's a company out there that makes mods for for arcade one-up cabinets. In my Ridge Racer, I modded it so it has over 200 racing games on it. And then I have my original Star Wars that I had purchased, they're going to come out with a mod for that so I can turn that into a racing cabinet with the Ooh. with the Star Wars, uh, you know, the Star Wars, whatever you call it, controller, you know, yeah. light controller. 
so games like spy hunter and there's a bunch of games that, that were game. actually built like that um yeah it's, it's pretty pretty sweet so my my goal is to you know as soon as they come out with that i'll do that and then i'll be able to link my two cabs too so my ridge racer and my star wars in the basement will actually be able to race against each other against each other that's the best part that is the yeah. best part with racing games especially whenever you got like the um the four racers you can get them all together kind of thing yep. those were the those were the best games and so arcade one of is releasing fast and furious and you can actually link those four games now it'll be wi-fi link which i'm not sure sure like they don't need a physical mechanical link anymore Right, but it's going to be a Wi-Fi link through your network, you know, your home network. So if you had four of them, I think you're going to be able to race four of them at the same time, you know. So there are some pretty cool things with kind of the companies that are putting these things out. And then, of course, the thing I'm most excited for is tomorrow, iArcade, which down in the basement, I have an iArcade gold machine. And I bought Sindin light guns, so it's a different light gun than the one that I have there. But it's this is, this is a Sindin light gun. It has the the oh, cocking mechanism, lovely. and then the you know being able to shoot stuff, shoot your grenades from there or whatever they whatever else they use that button. And for. my my favorite shooter releases tomorrow on that machine, which is um, I'm blanking on it. Um, That's good. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> That's the play Time Crisis a lot. Time Crisis, yeah. So our our the rumor is Arcade One Up's going to put Time Crisis out with the pedal and everything. God damn it! What's the name of the game? Uh, Operation Wolf. Oh God, yeah, I love that game. That's that's my favorite shooter, and I bought this cabinet literally for this release. And then just I bought for that game. Just for that game, because you know, being able to play out now, I can play Operation Wolf on my ALU great you know that's that's cool but i literally bought you know sending light gun these guns have the the solenoid in it so it's like it's firing yeah it feels like it's firing feels like it's firing yeah and then uh although in operation wolf it was a mini uzi wasn't it yes and then you also had the grenade launcher too yes that's why that's why i said one of the button there that's the grenade launcher that was my that was my knee-jerk reaction to that Yep. And then as they put games out, the cool thing about the send in is there'll be a lot of stuff where you have to reload. So that cocking mechanism will be a oh, reload mechanism. Badass. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. That's that you tomorrow. Make me, you make me wish I had, I think I have spot here. If I did a little bit of cleaning out from the garbage that's in here, I might be able to put one right here. Mm-hmm. But that's like right by a closet door. I'll have to figure it out. At some point in time in my life, it's got to happen. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do that, do the ALU because you can do coin ops X and just get everything. Yeah, you know? that's, that, you know me, that's why I'd want to do one that could do everything as opposed to having a full arcade. But yeah. that's yeah. just I me. Mean, the best thing to do would be to get the pinball too, because, you know, but wait till, wait till they come out with the 4K version of the ALU. They're coming out with a 4K version of it. That might, Some, that might solve that little, looked a little bit too cartoony. Um, pinball yeah. reaction that I had with my experience of those video pinball ones. Well, cool, those were but... seven, those were 720p though. You got to remember right. the 1080p on the ALP downstairs looks really good. You know, they've done it really well. You can also do OTG mode where you can do FX on Steam, uh, pinball FX. 
Um, and then pinball FX three. And then those are tables that you can do. It's not done directly through the machine. You have to do it through a computer, but then all the controls and everything work with it. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I don't care about that. I like what, you know, um, at games is released as, you know, as it is so far. And they're doing really well. I'm really like, I, it's one yeah. of those cool ideas. Like they started off and everyone like, Oh, look at these things sold out. Holy crap. People really want these. Now we're going to do a whole yeah. bunch of them. So, you know, and, and the cool thing is like arcade one up is machines like this, you know, they're, they're, they have graphics and everything else, you know? Yeah. They look old, like an arcade machine, like an arcade machine. The a the at game stuff doesn't really look like a true arcade machine, but it's the one where you're gonna get everything you want. I know. And, and then I arcade the I arcade kind of sort of is the hybrid in between. It's on an Android system, and you buy games. You know, so it's not one that you're gonna upload. It's one where their model is they release games, you buy games, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. What I want is I want one that looks like your Miss Pac-Man machine, but does what the other one does. That's all. And I you want. could do it. You could actually do it. You could mod it. You know, you can actually go in and mod the, the system. If you can plug in stuff to be able to, you know, put like the Batisera system on it and stuff like that. Right. So, so. Uh, when, when I get closer to doing it, I'll do plenty of research to find the one I want. Because legitimately, I know the case I want. I want I want the case that my grandfather had sitting on his back porch. I want an old school Pac-Man machine that just happens to play everything else, including Pac-Man. Right. I think we're done. Only I took think us what? so. Only took us, what, two hours to get through? 800 years, you know? I, I was well, there, Gandalf. I was there when we started recording this show. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was there. He he pulled out his Bob notebook or uh, his Richard Sue notebook and everything. He sure did. <laughs> he sure did. All right, doggone it! I got to find my main topic again because it reset back to the. I can see if I can dig it up again here real quick. Where was it? It was favorite game, least favorite game, and some adults. Uh, then the other one was what you would play a game that so a unicorn game, least favorite game, and then the game that you would play on a day to day basis, you know, so that, that that's pretty much what it is. And you could if you want to, you can stratify it by, you know, talking about board games, arcade game, you know, you can do anything you want with it. So well, I think I'm going to have to keep it the miniatures in because otherwise, I mean, that that, that re I'd really have to stratify it then. Yeah. Yeah. So here. I will kick off when I, I start. I said this last episode. I'll kick off with my least favorite game. My least favorite miniature game, or at least my least favorite experience with any miniatures game whatsoever, was the time between 6th edition 40K when I was looking for a new game because 6th edition 40K felt extraordinarily imbalanced. And before I found X Wing and fell in love with that game for the five to six years that I did, was my experience with Warmer Hordes. I never really got the opportunity to get a feeling for what... So, oddly enough, this kind of dovetails with what I was saying before about the right way to teach a person how to play a game. In my opinion, and I could be wrong, I've two other players here have taught other people's games. If you're trying to bring someone into your hobby and it's a new person that's interested in the game, the game should not be about, hey, watch me kick the crap out of this new guy who has no idea what they're doing. 
It's no fun for anyone. First of all, it doesn't show any level of skill on your part. Oh, wow. Congratulations. You beat a person who knows doesn't know how to play the game. And on the opposite side of that, the person on the other side of the table is like, well, this game freaking sucks. Like, I couldn't do anything. Like, I didn't know what was going on. Nobody was explaining anything to me. And I lost. Oh, I'm not going to have fun. I'm not going to play that game anymore. Like, it ruins the experience. It ruins what you're trying to do, which is to bring someone into a game. Which is why, as a point of rule, that's not how I instruct. That's not how I teach any game that I've ever played. I didn't teach X Wing that way. I lost every game that I ever taught at X Wing. I lose every game that I ever teach in 40K. The downside, the the, the problem with the Warmer Hordes community, maybe, is the mind. And not, not this isn't this isn't a broad stroke. I'm sure there are plenty of fine people that would be willing to to not have this attitude. But quite honestly, whenever Warmer you're saying there's good people on both sides. There's good people on both sides. That's kind of what I'm saying. Um, but there is a mantra of the Warmer Hordes community, which is when at all cost. And it, like legitimately, I think it's it's rule four. Like everyone keeps quoting, at least it was. Page before. five. Page five. That's what it was. I don't know if it's still page five it's anymore. Not, it's been removed. I bet you're talking about it. it's gone now, but it's okay because the game's pretty much dead anyway. So. Yeah, but at the time when I was getting into it, everyone referred to this page five rule, which is it's I'm going to win the game. And it's, you know, it, 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 so the favorite thing I remember doing is chatting with um, Terry about it. And she was saying about obviously um, how badly phrased it is because it's play like you've got a purr. Right. right. So you, you, ha you, you have to play as if you're a man who's got balls. So. Right, exactly. That's exactly. It. I just looked it up. Play like you've got. Well, so the, what that what that usually translates into, at least the experience that I had, the five games of Warmer Hordes that I played was: here's a bunch of people who know how to play the game, who are good at playing the game, are tournament level playing of the game, and they're going to kick the shit out of you. The end. I played five games of Warmer Hordes, and by the end of the fifth game, because I I never expect to pick up a game the first time. I feel like I'm going to pick it up the second time. And as I'm reading the books, I'm reading the rules. I'm not really quite sure how this does or how this works. Have a couple of conversations. Go to the game store. Boom. Get your teeth kicked in. Five weeks in a row. By the end of that fifth week, I was done. I was done. And I have never touched it again. I have a couple of models that I still have sitting in a box somewhere that I started painting and then just said, fuck it. I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, I have an The problem is like, that is permanent now. Like that is my level of experience with the game is here's a game that you don't know how to play. And every time you go to play anybody with it, they're not going to explain shit to you. They're going to beat the crap out of you. You're not going to have any fun. And it's like, it's not the dark souls thing of get good because, okay, that's just on me. That's just me playing a game, trying to learn the patterns. No, it's every person there that I played and I went through five individual different people, every single one of them pound me into the ground. No mercy. Hmm. which again, maybe not everybody's warmer hordes communities are like that. The one here was, and that a hundred percent, not only did it turn me off to the game, it, I never bought another thing. I never spent another dime. I, they never, it, privateer press never got another, like I stopped buying their fucking paint over that. Even though one of their paints is the colors that I use for my, for my um, space Marines. I found another color that like, like the whole thing was just a complete disdain for the community for the game so that is the number one 
tippy top of my list of games that I absolutely despise because of the how I felt when I was playing it, how you know, the community around it, the people that I talked to around, like the whole nine yards was everything about that game just was not me. That was a not. And I considered myself back in those days to be a competitive player, which is why I thought that this would be the right thing for me. I was dead wrong. So there, number one with a bullet, Warmer Hordes for Ed. About you, Chris. Do you want least favorite game, or do you want me to pick one of the other options? Uh, it's up to you. Just whatever one you want to start with. So my unicorn game uh, is a game that I still own and never really play. I think I downloaded it on my phone, but it would be um, Wonder Boy in Monsterland. Oh, that's a good game. Yeah, on the Sega Master System, um, because I have childhood memories of it wasn't me playing it, it was my uncle was playing it and like being good and doing stuff and then like, I'd play and not get off the first level and now I'm 40 I've got it on my phone I try and play and I still can't get off the first level but it still <laughs> still holds a soft spot in my heart so that's gotcha um I couldn't tell you and anything beyond like that but a bunch of those old platformers, uh, um, Super Girls and Ghosts is another one. Um, oh, that's a good used one. To, used to play with my uh, my uncles. Um, the Dizzy Egg series, um, Don't know all of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, those were a bunch of games were like I'm. Ju- I was just too young to be good at them when I could have been good. Mm. And now that I'm old enough to own them myself, my I just. Yeah. I don't have the time to get those reactions and do all of the things and right. I, that kind of, I like our type and all of those kind of games. Where I I wish I could play them and be good, but I'm just not. I'm just so so, so bad. But like, do you enjoy it? And I, I, I go back. So so I I think we spoke about it when we were doing our, our rankings for video games and stuff like that. But I did download Space Harrier. That's um, another oh, good yeah. one. And like Jill shouts at me every once in a while to turn it down, um, <laughs> but yeah, just playing that is fun. I got I I got through like about seven levels on it the other day. I was like, yeah, I've never been this good, and then died, and then was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that um, Wonder Boy in Monsterland is the one that I like vibe with the most and has the most nostalgia and like uh, I have the most affection for. But was that, and then the um, the other one that's often confused because there was Wonder Boy and Alex Kidd, and they're both very similar styles of game. But well, Alex one of them, Kidd, one of one of them was the packing game with the Master System, right? Alex Kidd what used to come with the Master System um, if you didn't if in the later ones, but um, there were different versions of Alex Kidd as well. Um, but uh, you did the uh, paper scissors stone for the bosses against an Alex Kidd. Um, and then the original Wonder Boy, where you're like a caveman, but you get a skateboard and you jump over rocks and snakes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there you go. That that'll be my unicorn game. Unicorn. So my least favorite, I'll start with that, is any fighting game, arcade game. Really? Any fighter. No Street MK, Fighter Two. No Mortal Kombat. Nope. None of those games. I hate those games with a passion. And a lot of it is is because those never interested me. Like I have I have MK two downstairs in the arcade. I have Street Fighter Two Big Blue down in the arcade. 
and I've played the MK2 has also Dig Dug and some other stuff on it too. Um, no, no, no. That's that has the sorry that has other stuff. It has a Defender and some other stuff on it. The only thing I've ever played on it is Defender and the other games that are on it. Street Fighter 2, I've turned it on twice because I have it there because the friends come over and they like fighters. They're sure. them to play. <clears throat> but those will be the first games that go away out of the arcade if I buy more machines that I can no longer fit up here as we can see I'm pretty well taxed out. Um, the MK2 will be number one to go and then the Street Fighter 2 Big Blue will be the second one to go. But I despise fighter games. Just did not know that. Yep, it's. I have, it I have is, a lot of fond memories of. Most people do. It's 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 interesting when I say that. It's you know, like people look at me weird when I talk about my dis, just my just hatred for fighting games. You know, it's just I I they're not enjoyable to me. Like and when I'm talking fighter games, I'm literally talking the Street Fighter, Street Fighter. MK. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, that, I know what you mean. Like, like the, Double Dragon is a great game, but it's a platformer at the same. Yeah, time. that's a beat. That's a beat 'em up. That's a different genre of game. Right, right. Now I don't really like a lot of beat 'em ups, but I like like Double Dragon and stuff like that. Oh, but, Ninja Tur- The original Ninja Turtles um, arcade game is one of my top five all time favorite. Love that game. Yeah, I, Especially that, if you get three other three other friends. Yeah, The Simpsons was the next one I was going to bring. Up. Another one, yeah. You know the, those four player, those four player cab games where you could get yes. four people playing at one time. Yeah, no, I and and I totally I understand because of the types of games that I like. You know, which I like shmups. You know, more, oh sure, nothing wrong with know. that. I like shmups, and then I like you know game. My favorite game of all time, of course, I've talked about is Time Pilot. But I like the Galagas and those types of games. Dig Dug. The more, you know, Burger Time, the more controlled games, you know, yes. where if you have the right controls, you can play for a while, you know, those types of games. And then, of course, I like the sports. I'm really big into the Konami sports games and stuff like that, you know. But my my least favorite is definitely... Uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, no. Uh, International Superstar Soccer Deluxe, I think that's a Konami I game. I think so, yeah, that's a Konami game. Um, you know, but like the, they had two basketball, they had three basketball games, um, double dribble, which was also on the NES. I forgot that was a Konami game. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And then there's another one, which is probably my favorite of them all is it's like you're playing a half court game and you're just trying to beat a score where double dribbles, you know, you're pl- playing competitively. And then they had a one later one, and I can't remember what the name of it. It's like a 3D style basketball game, and but they had track and field, hypersports, you know, all those just kick-ass. NBA Jam is definitely on my uh, very high on my list of favorite arcade I got, games. I got that of. downstairs. I got Lo- NBA Jam. I was NFL playing some, Blitz. Yeah, I was NFL playing some Blitz. NBA Jam before I fired up Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ed. What's your next one? So you got All two right. left to choose here. So I've got unicorn game left. So I I I was gonna. So I I'm gonna caveat this by saying I'm, I'm gonna put two games from two different categories in for for unicorn games. Um, these are games that I could pick up at any given time and be happy playing with it. And I already exposed one of them earlier in when I was talking. What did I do when I was stuck with my Steam Deck and I couldn't play the games that I wanted to play? I defaulted back to one of my 
all-time favorite games to this day. It's on every single console. It is on currently on my PS3 that I have hacked. It's currently on my PS5. It's currently on my Steam Deck. It's on my Chinese handheld. It's on my RetroPie. That would be Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Oh my God, do I love that game. I love that game so much. I can play that at any given moment, which is the reason why Blood... I was genuinely concerned, um, the original developer of Castlevania Symphony Night, whenever they did Bloodstained, because I was hoping... I didn't think it was going to be as good. It is as good. I just don't have the nostalgia for it. I'm still playing it. I still enjoy it and still have a lot of fun with it. It is a great game, and I'll probably play through it another three more times in the next two years. But default, if I've got nothing else to do at all, I know I can get it on my damn phone if I wanted to, although I don't know how the controls would work. Um, mm -hmm. Castlevania Symphony Night is absolutely my unicorn game. But if we were to keep it restricted to just miniature games, good old-fashioned Blood Bowl. It's one of those games that mm -hmm. I could pick up at any given moment and play a game of Blood Bowl and still have a great time. It's like Chris said, it's one of the ones I don't normally have enough time to play. I wish I did. I wish I had more people locally that played Blood Bowl and enjoyed it. Thank God that they came out with a PC version, which oddly enough can play on my Steam Deck. Just throwing that out there because it's still on my Steam Deck too. Um, I can play Blood Bowl on the Steam Deck. I can play Blood Bowl on my PS5 because I have the Blood Bowl 2 on that. And Blood Bowl 3 just released. I'm kind of waiting for them to get, work all the bugs out of it. But I'll probably pick up Blood Bowl 3, even though the rules changed. Um, Blood Bowl is always going to be one of those evergreen games. I can always sit down and just waste hours and hours and hours building a football team, playing, running my gutter runners down from one turn scores, which apparently I'm not allowed to do in Blood Bowl 3 anymore, which makes me not want to play it because, damn it, if I can't score touchdowns in one turn, then I don't want to play the game. <laughs> but that is all. It, it's such a great game. It's so kooky. It's so funny. It's so weird. It's blood bowl in the warhammer fantasy universe where you've got skaven scoring touchdowns and zombie cheerleaders and it's just, it's just it is i would almost beg the argument of it's almost the perfect game <laughs> chris oh dear um i'd have to do least favorite what next and um... we've got least favorite or you've got your absolute favorite Oh, well, no, it, it, you've got you've got two extremes you can go with. The, the, yeah. So he's already done his unicorn, but the the third choice is kind of the game that's not your unicorn, and it's not like your most hated. It's the game that you could play and pick up right now and just play it and have fun and enjoy. Yeah, it. yeah, I get. I'm I'm saving that one to last. Is all. Um, yeah, same. same. <laughs> so this is just a random one, just to move us forwards. I bought. Crusader Kings 2 on Steam. I thought I'd really like it. I I played it for like eight hours and had no idea what was going on. Couldn't mm -hmm. figure any of it out. It just wasn't fun. And that but I'd wait I, I played it for eight hours over like a month because it was that bad. And then when I went to refund it, it won't give me my money back. Oh. Because I'd had it for too long. Yeah, you played it for too long. Yep. yep. Yeah. And I was like, no. I suppose I've just waited, and it it wasn't cheap either. It was like when it was like sixty odd dollars or something. Yep. I I, pray, I paid triple A price for this game, and it just I didn't vibe it at all. It just wasn't for me, and it's really odd because I was sure that it would be my type of game. So I I love like Masters of Orion and all of those. I yep. love. Obviously, I've been playing a lot of Total War games. The the conquering um, games. Yeah. yeah um, but just yeah, just something about it just didn't didn't 
I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. So yeah, yeah. that would be my least favorite game. Gotcha. My unicorn is Dungeons and Dragons first edition slash early not not black book second but the second edition with all the stuff that they came out with there there is nothing good there is nothing better than first edition dnd thaco i know everybody hates it i don't i you know i want to change my least favorite game show First edition Dungeons and Dragons. First edition Thaco. Anything with Thaco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will respect your choice whilst disagree with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, the reason why. So one of the things, like whenever people talk to me and say how much they hate Thaco, one of the things is that that, that was D&D at the time. It was. You know, when you get down to it, that was D&D at the time. It's. They had Gamble World out. That was a D10 game. They had Star Frontiers out. That was, I believe, a D10 game also. Um, you know, so TSR had other games out, but they had the D20, you know, and Thaco. They hadn't thought of the DC. Now, they did actually kind of sort of have DC in there, but it was based on hit dice of the monsters, you know, so hit points. Hit points and I believe, you know, if they didn't have true armor class, then the hit dice is what you basically based everything off of, you know. And I think that to me, and, and I understand, you know, I get it. One to 20 is really no different than negative 10 to 10 or 10 to negative 10. I understand that. But when you get, you know, negative five chainmail armor, you just know that you're badass. You know, yeah. you feel badass, you know, you get the sword, you get a, you know, sword plus five that can talk to you, you know, or a sword, sword plus three plus five, you know, th- plus three versus dr- or uh, normally plus five versus dragons, you know, the things that just kind of don't exist in D&D today where everything's very generalized, you know, you go back to first edition and you go to the world of Greyhawk and it has the only ever, ever evil deity in it, which was Tharsden, which then they made a, and they made a module, you know, the, uh, uh, what is it? The forgotten temple of Tharsden, mm-hmm. you know, which, which talks about that. But when you go into the Greyhawk information, the only deity that has ever had an E next to it that I know of was Tharsden. You know, all of them were chaotic, neutral, or lawful evil. He was evil. And to me, it was just like, you know, I think the creativity of the game was so much better back then, you know. Now, I I do understand a lot of people don't like the fact that, you know, modules back then railroaded you into what you're doing, you know. But everything was there. You know, your creativity. You You didn't have to do modules, though. Exactly. You could do your own thing. You know, you could take a piece of graph paper and build a dungeon, you know. That's how I did it. That, like, yeah. My first five, ten years of playing d and I never, like, touched a module. It was always homebrew. Right. You know, but the thing is, is that there was so much out there that could help you with your campaign, you know. Sure. And, you know, when you got to, when Forgotten Realms came out, okay, that was more of second edition, closer to second edition, second edition stuff. But there's nothing that ever told you back then that you couldn't use Forgotten Realms in Greyhawk. Yeah. You know, 
all, all it is is it's a concept, you know. I love Forgotten Realms too. Don't don't get me wrong, but Greyhawk I think is the best world, best concept for those, you know, for for that time. You know, that's what it was. That's what you had, you know, from what eighty or whatever it was, seventy nine, eighty, all the way until ninety. 91 I feel like is when Forgotten Realms that box set came out yeah you know but then you had Dark Sun you had you know the Oriental Adventures you had Alcadim you had then uh, love that Ravenloft you know and there's nothing out there that really fully said anything to restrict you you know to to not using that in your first edition Greyhawk campaign We're, we're getting old Sean, the original Forgotten Realms box set released in 1987. Seven, yeah. Yeah, that was the thin box set. That was the thin box set. Yeah, because then they came out with a second edition box set, which is, that's what I have. It's a thicker one. Yeah, the gold one, right? No, it's it's still the blue. It's that blue-gray color. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's just a thicker, thicker. I had both. I had the original and then I had the thicker one. And I think they combined some stuff into into that. They did, they did. So, all right. Final thing, Ed, the game that you could play, you could just pick it up right now and play. That's not your unicorn. Now you've got me again. I'm going to have to caveat this because I was still in my head when I thought about this list. I was thinking miniatures games, but now I want to caveat that because we've gone into. So miniatures game, obviously, I'm going to go to 40K. I could pick up 40K at any given point in time. Have fun. Great game. Have been playing it for God, how old's Gabriel? I've been playing it since fourth edition. So how long ago was that? Two thousand two, maybe. Um, so I've been playing it for at least twenty years. I'm going to continue to play it on and off. It's always going to be one of those games I'm always going to go back to. So I will put that aside. But if I'm going to be looking at, you said D and D first edition, which you're a little bit older than I am, so I'm going to take. And I didn't have a problem with Thacko either in second edition either. Um, most of the Dungeons and Dragons that I played though was definitely in the three oh three five era. So I mean, I played a bulk, a bulk of my hmm, adult D and D in that era of the game. Mm-hmm. So that's probably always going to be the one that I'm going to fall back on is the one I remember those. I affectionately remember and loved second edition. I still have all the stuff right over there. Never got rid of anything. It's all sitting there on the shelves back there, including my first edition stuff, (laughs) complete first edition, um, first edition hardbacks, Um, have those books, enjoyed those books, love those books. But whenever it came down to, being able to just pick up a game every Saturday when I was playing in the RPGA, I can't tell you the number of Saturdays I spent at a coffee shop or at the local game club, or they used to have these little mini gaming conventions on a Saturday, how many hours I spent playing 3.5 Dungeons and Dragons. That That is always going to be one. I could pick it up right now. Pathfinder. So for example, my... I think I may have mentioned this before a couple of weeks back. My daughter went into a GameStop. They had D&D dice. They had them on sale for two bucks and she bought them. Ran a D&D campaign. What did I pick up? Pathfinder. Because it's basically 3.5 with a couple of additional rules and clarifications. That, and like I, I, So with the whole thing with the OGL and everything going off, I started looking into the second edition Pathfinder stuff. And I'm like, what do I even need to do that for? Like for as often as I play role-playing games anymore, what do I need to do that for? When I have all of the Pathfinder stuff that I'm ever going to want sitting on that top shelf right there, I can pick it up anytime, which is what I did. 
picked it up and I was ready to go. And it was like putting on a good old comfortable pair of old jeans or your favorite old comfortable slippers. It was, it, nothing was gone. I knew everything about it, remembered where to find everything about it. So that's always going to be very high on my list on how that game runs and the mechanics of it. Oh, understood. Chris, your go-to. So I have what I want to give a v- as the answer, but I don't <laughs> know if it's true anymore. And if it isn't, I don't know that I have an answer, so I'm going to stick with what I want to give, if that makes any sense. Yep. Um, but when I was in the Air Force, we used to alternate doing, like, um, you'd do a week on, we call it, like, tool tech, so you'd work in the tool shed and you'd sign tools out for people, or you'd yep. do a week on T-bar duty, so you'd, like, collect the, quick, collect the cups from the T-bar and put them in the dishwasher, make sure it's always queen cups, sell people chocolate bars. Um, but I'd always take... It has to be a UK military thing. <laughs> no, no, it's... It's like KP duty, you know, in, in the American military. Well, KP, stuff like that. yeah, sure, but like the T-bar? <laughs> well, oh, I mean, crew room. I don't know. What do, what do I, you want to call it? I know what you're talking about. Oh, I never did, I'm, I've never served in the military. It's just as soon as you said that, I'm like, that's the most UK thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd taken like a portable TV and my Super Nintendo, and I would play um, Secret of Mana. Oh, a great game. Yeah, see, I was never a Super Nintendo was in that void area for me because high school was Nintendo. Then I went in the military. That's that. Super Nintendo, and then my friend got the Genesis. Yeah. And so Super Nintendo was never... Genesis does, but Nintendo don't. Yeah. <laughs> how, how was your experience playing Secret Mana or Legend of Zelda? Alright, they were good. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to me that you mentioned that, because as I'm sitting there going through, I was looking through my uh, Steam Deck, and I was setting up my favorites uh, menu, and I got to the end of it when I realized that there were more games on the Super Nintendo that I listed as favorites that I wanted to play and pick up and play again that I did on the Genesis, which does tell me something about myself that I did not realize... It's because that was the console that I bought. I bought that console because I was really into sports games at that time, and kind of sports games don't really. It's okay. Uh, you you people pick a team, and you know they'll they'll support the team through thick and thin, and they'll pick a political party, and they can be wrong, and they can change. But yeah. you know, well, that's what it tells me is that over the years I have grown a greater appreciation for the SNES. You've, you've grown as a person and. And improved yourself and gotten better, and yeah. left the moronic child behind who preferred Mega Drives. <laughs> makes sense to me. I'm I'm just saying, like I honestly, it's so funny that you said that too because I was going through looking through and like, wow, I have way more Super Nintendo games listed as my favorite games than I did at Chrono Trigger. You've got got Zelda on there. You've got even the Super Mario World is on there. Like all all of those games. And I'm like, why don't I have that much fondness for the games that I remember from the Super from the Genesis era of my life? It's because they were all sports games. Right. Yeah. And you and played the, the platformers I, and the RPGs and those types of things on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> Right, exactly. And which because, so like those sports games don't age well. They really don't. Well, I it's funny that you say that because like I'm the same way. Like sports games on the Genesis were awesome. Madden, the baseball, you know, all of those types of games were because NHL they were, hockey, uh, right. World Series baseball. Because I'm still yep. I still am a gigantic baseball fan, even though the Pirates 
or they're doing okay right now. So I don't want to jinx it. I'm not going on wood right now. The Pirates are doing okay. <laughs> I think they're in third place the last time I looked yesterday. So they have a winning record. That's all I can say. They have a winning record this early in the season. <laughs> it's like for me, it's like I, I look at because I have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of NES games and hundreds and hundreds of Genesis games. Now, I don't, I played a few Super Nintendo games. My sister had one and I played a few of them. But when I look at what I liked on the Genesis compared to what I liked on the Super, on the Nintendo, the NES, I have many more on the NES that I would play now more so than the Genesis because yeah, I don't know if I want to play hockey 92, you know, NHL 92, you Over know, 93 or 94 or 95. Yeah, or even getting into, you know, I, I just think that the sports games, like you said, back then were great for the time, but don't compete to what you have today. I'd rather play, ML, uh, you know, MLB the show, you know, than than play anything from that time. Right. With right. the exception of one arcade baseball game, which is Champions Baseball. Sure, which sure. Is the greatest baseball game ever made. Well, a, uh, I don't quarter, know about and a, and a quarter suck at that. I would argue that Baseball Simulator 1000 for the NES is the greatest baseball uh, game ever made, and uh, I still I, I have to, I have to say Kenny Griffey Jr. base on the Super See, Nintendo. And I, yep, the Super Nintendo. I I played yeah. that. I'm not sure what system I played it on, but I played it on something, and that was pretty cool. You know that. that and that's just because cool. my uncle made uh, did all the graphics for it. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's really? True. I, I remember him doing. You don't remember the story? <laughs> so, I remember I, some of the stuff. The, but... the first time I played it, the it was just the torsos and a floating bat, so he had no legs, because he was trying <laughs> to get the pivot for the torso right. to turn properly. And yep. like, so we played the playing baseball where it's just a flo- like. Like playing on the um, Nintendo Wii. Yeah, it's <laughs> <That's laughs> true. You see the hands and yeah. yeah it's just a, a floating bat and the torso. It's got the number and the name of a player on the back. Yeah. Oh wow, that's cool. That was the first time I played that game before it was released yet. Yeah, Baseball Simulator 1000 for an NES game had a farm system. You had a minor league team that went along with it. You could call people up and like that shit didn't start showing up until like for chris mega drive era whenever you started getting yeah. into game, like games like that okay I, I do have an honorable mention for a game that i could pick up and play okay x-wing oh god yeah i get that yeah i get that because it it has the it, it's a small play area it plays quick doesn't take a lot of investment um, um well, the other thing that complicated yeah the other thing i was thinking probably worth a mention it's something like um, so one we will play for the last like five or six, seven years or however long it's been would be Century Spice Road as like a, a card slash um, board game. And then if we're going to play, like generally, my mum will come over and she'll want to play something. She doesn't want to learn something new. So we'll play hearts and just play cards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spades. Play gin runny. Gin runny. Jim Rummy, no hearts, yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. So my game that I could pick up and play anytime is a board game, and it's called Terraforming Mars. Yep. I was wondering if this is going to come up. Uh, it's just a game. I love Terraforming Mars because you can play it single player on Steam. You can play it on Steam. You can play it in person. And it's just a quick and easy game to grasp. So if you're getting somebody new into it, 
the only thing about it is it's best with at least three players. You know, one player is great because it's a different game. If you're going to play it, two player isn't as good as if you're playing three and four player game. But that game is so good because, and they put expansions out that made the game better. That didn't hinder the game, which is... The Helios expansion. um, Yeah, the... the, as well. Yeah, there's like three of them that they put out, and then they put out the board, the Venus. Uh, they put yeah. out the Venus board. Um, but that game is so easy to learn, you know. And the best part about it is is that it has strategy. You know, the cards can actually develop you strategy for making, you know, making the the Martian money, or you know, whatever it is. What you know, it has engines that you can build in it that basically you trigger one thing to trigger another thing you know kind of like the infinites as you're going in magic you know magic was almost my my game for this i I was wondering neither one of us brought it up but the reason why it isn't is just because i only play it literally on arena you know and i'm only playing it so i can accumulate the gold and the gems so that when the next set comes out i don't have to spend money any any money on it yeah yeah so I'm, but, I'm at the, I haven't even touched it in so long. I probably should pick it back up just for that. I, I play it. I play it every day just to do the dailies. You know, yep. to do at least one of the dailies. It's habit. Um, it's the habit of it at this juncture. You play it out of habit as opposed to. Yeah, yeah. So, it, but I don't put much time into it. You know, I'll put maybe thirty minutes into it. For me, the problem that I have with Magic, I lo- for, I, I love the game. It is really good. N- nothing is going to ever. As many times as I've tried to get back into magic in person, nothing recaptures the magic of what it was like to play it in high school. Oh yeah. Playing yeah. playing at the playing at the lunchroom, playing with your friends kind of on a weekend kind of thing. Like even going to like an F and M or something like that. It's fun. You have a good time. But it's 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 not the same. And there's a part of me that wonders how much of that, how much of me putting time into it is that diminishing returns kind of thing. Like you keep putting money into it, trying to regain what that was and your love for that game. And it's it's just not there anymore. Do you know what I do? You know what I mean? Yeah, I still like the game, still like the strategies and still like all the fun to it. I still feel like Planeswalkers entered the game kind of broke the game, in my opinion. But so I, I came in the game in Alara at the end of Alara block, the beginning of Zendikar. Oh, there you uh, go. That's a good so, start. So I came in, I think, at what I would call the high point of like the new version of Magic. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah, Dragon's Star. What is it? What is it like? Eighth edition is kind of that point where Eighth edition is where modern starts. Modern. Yeah, magic. but that's that's where Magic kind of changed too, because that's where you had core sets starting. You know, you had kind of that core set concept and all that. Um, well, they always had the core set. Like, technically, the core set goes all the way back to Alpha, Beta, Unlimited. That was technically, the quote-unquote, the core set, you know, the expansions, and then Revised came out, and then you had 4th edition, 5th edition, 6th edition, 7th, and then you're right, 8th. And then they just started going to the moniker of M19, 2021, like the yeah. whole thing. And then they took core sets away, and then, you know, um, what was it? Uh, Sh- Shadows over Innistrad was a core set, but really wasn't like, by name. And then they brought them back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but Zendikar to me was that sweet spot, you know, sure, that was, was a, like, that was a great time to play. Yeah. That the end of Alara block, I think Alara block was good, but Zendikar was so much better, yes. you know, but I also didn't play eighth edition, seventh edition and all the way back. Mm-hmm. Just, I, that's where I started. So 
the modern magic. I like the modern magic where for you, it's kind of like what you played is your first edition with Thaco. Exactly. My 3.5, you know, with the more modern style of magic. Yeah. That's actually a really good analogy because you're right. Like the, the versions of it, like we were playing, like we were cracking open packs of unlimited. I remember that that's whenever the way that they launched that game is like, it went to the colleges first. So like all the mm-hmm. college kids are playing it. And then of course, Oh, you got a buddy that plays in college. What's this game? And then all of a sudden you're driving down to Pittsburgh with my dad to have my dad drag me down to Pittsburgh. There's only one store in the entire area that sold magic at the time, Phantom of the Attic um, in Oakland um, so that we could buy like three packs of unlimited. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I made my dad drive 45 minutes down to downtown Pittsburgh, Oakland. So they could buy three packs of unlimited because it's all they had on the shelf. And then, yep. Oh, those were the days. Starter packs all day long. But oh, who wants a starter pack? Oh boy, do I wish I had those days back. Oh my oh, yeah. God, do I wish I had the, oh, the two rares alone inside those unlimited starter decks? Oh God, do I wish I had those days back. Um, but yeah, so like we, we played in the very, we played in the days before price guides. Mm-hmm. We played in the days when Moxes well, the, were... I was going to say when the Power Nine weren't the Power Nine. They were just good cards yeah like everyone knew they were good and like i remember when the first scry magazine i'm i've told my kids this story multiple times i wish i had 50 bucks the day that that price guide came out because we had a guy that had three lotuses one beta two unlimiteds and as soon as we literally came off the shelf there's a scry oh look they're 50 bucks a piece i was selling each of these 50 bucks a piece i don't want them anymore i'm getting out of the game i wish i would have bought one of those beta lotuses and oh, hung yeah. on to them. Didn't regret ever. That's one of the big regrets of my life is not buying that damn Lotus, but like it was $50. A beta Lotus for those who are not, who are unaware, even in played condition is probably a 30 to $40,000 card right now. Yeah. That's one of my kids through college, almost cards kind of thing that. Yeah. But you do have to find the person that's going to spend that much money for sure but i mean yeah and the markets are still out there they really are my point being is like yeah those were like i i remember should probably sell my uh my 40k decks to be honest that's not open to me yet Ooh, there you go but like i remember opening packs of the dark when they came out brand new Mm -hmm. i remember opening packs of legends they're hard to find because the print room was really really low on that but i remember opening packs of legends when they were new, I remember being pissed off whenever the revised set came out and the Moxes and Lotuses and Invisibility, one of my favorite cards, was removed from the game. Like, wait, what the hell is this? Yeah. Yeah. When they when they were trying to dampen down the power of badges. Yes. I remember everyone being pissed off whenever the Chronicles set came out. They're like, oh, you're reprinting all these cards. Oh, God, that set. Oh, God, that set. And what it has done to the game, the echoes of that goddamn set that forced the reserve list to even be created. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, guys, that's all I have for tonight. Um, Chris, do you have any uh, closing remarks? Um, not really. Just the same old, same old kind of stuff. I forgot to mention on our impromptu show, uh, we'll be giving away an Asage Ventress at the end of this month for Star Wars Legion. Uh, so anyone who's a patron will be eligible to win that, apart from you guys I was who just are say- on the show with me unlucky um thanks oh, for your money though i appreciate it yeah but, can't oh, win. Well. no big deal <laughs> um it's a nice model 
Uh, but yeah, I'm going to try and start that up again, doing some giveaways and things like that. Uh, I'm not going to say it'll be every month because um, it's cost prohibitive. We don't bring in a lot of money at the moment, but um, I, I have one. I don't need it. I don't plan on doing separatists, so I might as well pay it forward rather than just return it to the store for more credit. So I figured that would be nice. Um, so yeah, that would be on di the Dice Hate Patreon. Um, links in the show notes. Um, but yeah, bring stuff up in the Discord. It's been a little bit quiet this week, so um, feel free to you know use that. Let me know if there's anything you want to see. Um, I know I say this all the time, but I've been kind of working away at trying to think of new content new things we can do like we like I said did the painting stream stream three days so far this week so that's I'm not going to say it's back but it's doable I got, um, I, I got three yeah. words for, I got three words for you Chris live D&D &D stream I mean <laughs> you find find the players and I'll probably I'll run some of that because I won't run D&D but yeah, I'd, I'd run Cthulhu or something. But Ooh, yeah. I've never played. Never played. I'd run first edition D and D. The problem with D and D, Sean, is it needs a campaign, and that's too long for people to commit to. I, I have given that we stuck it out for so what, so felt like what I years. what I want to run is Under Mountain. Oh yeah, no, that's just a, mo a single module. That's a couple of sessions. Well, it's, it's, it's a box set. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to talk <laughs> him into it. Shut up. <laughs> I would love to run Undermountain, but it would have to be in first edition form with Echo, because it's really designed for that, you know? Yeah, it is. 100%. It's, it's a beautiful module, gigantic module, but you would have to find dedicated players. Well, yeah, and that's might... the thing. Finding players is hard. We might yeah. have to post that to Discord then, see what happens. You that's know? the one, like I said, if I get one thing, the one upside of the Alien RPG is the fact that they are kind of single shot, three, four, or five sessions, and then you're done kind of thing. Yep. Still sending money to that company. I will still buy whatever the hell they sell. And those beautiful big books sit there. They're gorgeous. They really are. They're jam packed full of lovely lore. But I've not seen freely release anything recently, which makes me wonder about where the license is. I'll have to uh, uh, send you some prices for all of that um, AVP stuff because I need to um, raise some capital. Of after, course. After um, Joe not working. Yep. Understood. So, yeah. Yeah, Heart of Darkness is the newest thing that they have on their website. They have nothing new, and I still I have that box set sitting right there. Nothing new from them. It makes me wonder. Makes me worried. They're supposed to do a Space Truckers um, expansion, which I was really looking forward to because I thought that that would have been like Colonial Marines is one thing, but like doing a, a Space Truckers one would have been a lot more fun. Kind of more like a Firefly meets um, Traveler kind of thing would have been cool, but eh, haven't seen it yet. Sorry, complete alien RPG sidetrack. My apologies. That's okay. But yeah, like I said, there's, uh, there's all of that stuff, but um, nothing overly, um, overly pressing for me to go on about. Um, yeah, I had a chat with Jill. Um, so she's going to be work, like, starting ramping up to get back to work. So there's going to be big changes coming probably the end of june early july is when like we're gonna it's gonna be difficult to well not difficult it's gonna be a challenge to see where everything lands like how much time i have what has to give where um i think i was chatting to sean about it before um you jumped yep. on edge just like kind of figure out free time and where where i can do stuff and uh, so that'll be an interesting challenge 
Um, I don't have plans to like, throw in any towels or anything like that, so don't worry about that. Just uh, there might be a bit of a reshuffle again of priorities and where things lie. So yep. we'll see. Keep us yep. posted. We'll roll with punches. Yeah. Yep. Um, but now that's everything from my end. But yeah. Okay. Well, with that, we'll uh, call it a night on this uh, eight-hour show that we just put together, and <laughs> uh, we will uh, definitely want to see everybody or hear everybody on the next one. And uh, Ed. I was gonna say who shows next. Who shows next? uh, Goes back to you. I think. Goes back to me. Yeah, I think I thought it was Ed, but. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm I'm the third. Yeah, so it's Ed. All right. Been a while, you know. So uh, Ed, always good to have you here. Always good to be here. And Chris, you know, love to hear your voice and you know your your soft uh, your soft notes that come out. (laughs) I try. I try. (laughs) Well. We'll call it a night and I uh, hope everybody enjoys the show and we'll see you or hear you or have you hear us on the next one. Thanks for listening to a lack of focus podcast brought to you by Dice Productions.